Welcome back to the Blue Line Millennial Podcast. Bear with me today. I got called out at 4.30 this morning, and it's like uh, 8 o'clock at night, which doesn't sound late until you hit your 30s and you have a two-year-old, and then it's bedtime. But anyways, I have with me today uh, Kristen. Kristen uh, has, uh, it's not a competition, the Police Unity Tour, but it is a really long bike ride. Exactly. Uh, But you have... Um, begun to, uh, you're looking to compete in the tactical games. Yes. Awesome. And we're going to dive into that because I have questions because I've seen all the website and the Instagram and the cool shit. Uh, and it's something that I would like to do. It's on my to-do list. So, uh, and possibly most importantly, Kristen, you are the first female police officer to be on the blue line millennial show. Woo! So thank you for coming down. I do appreciate your time this evening. Um, Kristen's going to give a, a quick shout out. I'm going to let her speak on it because she knows way more about it than I do. We've talked about the 100 Club of Arizona before, but Kristen's going to talk a little bit about the 100 Club of Illinois. So the 100 Club of Illinois is just like the 100 Club of Arizona. They support the families of they support the families and first responders um, who are injured or killed in the line of duty. And now both, I know the 100 Club of Arizona and the 100 Club of Illinois have both started to work with um, current first responders in the mental health aspects, financial and um, physical aspects too. Of You know, it being able to do this job, you have to be physically fit. You have Absolutely. to have the mental. And then, you know, you have the financial aspect too is, you know, you're planning your retirement and well, how can I take care of my family? And then it, it all ties into it. So my best friend's actually the CEO of the Hunter Club of Illinois. Um, they recently became the Hunter Club of Illinois in March took over. They originally were um, for three counties and the amount of first responders in their three counties of Illinois is the exact same amount of first responders in all the state of Arizona. Holy crap. <laughs> so was one of them, is it Cook County? Is that where? Cook County okay. is the major. It's where, uh, where Chicago, Chicago is. is. Right. Okay. And then, so they took over and now they have, they went from like 40,000 first responders to I think like 80,000 now. And their office has four people running this, the Hunter Club. No pressure. That's it. Four. Well, and I imagine when you get into, into like the states in the Midwest and whatnot, the counties are, are broken up a lot more than they are here out West. Oh yeah. Way smaller. Way smaller counties. So instead of, I don't know offhand how many counties Arizona has, it's been a long time since fourth grade, but, um, I mean, Arizona's got 20 counties, something like yeah. that, but, and they're, but they're all gigantic. Right. Whereas you go to Texas, Texas has like 200 and such like 50 counties or something like that. Um, but some of them it's like, yeah, these, this is my deputy and I'm the sheriff and that's pretty much the end of it. Exactly. So is that how Illinois is yeah. in some places? Okay. That's how they were telling me. Um, so we, my best friend I met in college, she actually wanted to go into, um, philanthropy, uh, nonprofits. I had not had any plan to actually become a police officer. So, um, but we had met our senior year and became friends and still are friends. And who knew that our lives would come back full circle and Mm -hmm. we're still with each other, but doing like this, we're both involved in law enforcement. So it's actually a really cool aspect of our friendships. Nice. And you say that you, uh, um, we're, we're diving, we're diving into it, but that's okay. We'll come, we'll come back to the icebreaker questions We're we've already broken through the ice <laughs> at this point. Chris and I have been talking for like an hour before I, I, I kicked the record button on, uh, but you didn't want to be a cop initially. What, what did you set out to be? So actually I was wanted to be a microbiologist oh, and damn. work with Ebola for the CDC. Get out. <laughs> don't you bring that. Don't you bring that hate on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I know. I read a book in sixth grade. It was called The Hot Zone by Richard Preston. I still remember it. And it was about an Ebola breakout in D.C. that the government basically covered up. It is a true story. There's a with 
in Reston, West, uh, not Reston, Virginia, excuse me. And it was with monkeys. It was an Ebola breakout among monkeys they'd brought over to study. And I had been fascinated with it. And that's what I decided I wanted to do. And so I went to school, um, started as a microbiology major. Um, after my freshman year, I was like, I don't want to be a lab rat. I need, I need people. I need sunlight. So CSI was big at that time. Yeah. The television show. So cue I, the music that I do not have any <laughs> copyright material for because I don't need to get sued. But yes, we all know. Yeah. And that's what was interesting to me. So I decided, oh, why not? Let's go be a crime scene investigator or forensic science scientist. So I um, kind of shifted gears in college. I ended up um, graduating with a so, uh, bachelor's in sociology, minor in chemistry and minor in microbiology. Went on to get my master's of science in criminal justice with a focus in forensic science. And then became a crime scene investigator. You hated school, didn't you? Actually, I did. Like, <laughs> looking back on it, I want to say I love school, but I think back then my professors absolutely hated me. I was a terrible writer. And of course, I took the thesis option for my master's. Mm-hmm. It was like you had to turn in a binder almost every week of like where your progress is. And like you could see like the pens would run out of ink and then they just curse words across the paper. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I just. Your professors are just sitting at their desk with a box of unsharpened number two pencils, just snapping them repeatedly. I'm sure. And they're probably a bottle sitting <laughs> under the desk too. Like, God, her thesis again. So, but I graduated, got it. Um, and then I was offered actually a job with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And, okay. Uh, it was a grant position. Wasn't guaranteed. I wasn't even going to be working on casework. And it was like, getting paid $24,000 a year to work in, and live in Atlanta. And I was like, I would have to get another full-time job yeah, just to live here. And and what's funny, the GBI is one of, so that's not a concept that we really deal with out here Mm-mm. as a, I haven't, I've interfaced with a lot of different states as a detective. And just in the short time that I've been, been a detective, GBI hasn't been one of them, but the detectives I've spoken to in Georgia, um, Everybody seems to hold that organization in fairly high regard. Yes. But the fact that they're only going to pay a crime scene technician, grant a grant-funded position, I understand, but $24,000 a year to live in Atlanta, which is probably not a $24,000 a year income no. like city. No. But I loved I loved Georgia. That's where I wanted to like work, everything. But again, didn't work out. So I got offered a position out here. I was like, well, screw it. Let's go. Moved cross country. Um, was out here for about a month before Maryland State Police offered me a job about an hour and 10 minutes from home. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give Arizona a, a shot. There's no snow out here. Let's see how it goes. 14 years later, I'm still here. Still here. Still here. And now you're a police officer. Now I'm a police officer. And uh, to back up a little bit, where'd you grow up? I grew up um, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Tiny little town called Uniontown. I don't recommend Were unions it. big in Uniontown? Uh, actually, pretty good yeah yeah i mean my dad was my dad's a retired firefighter okay so he's part of the union back there so i think that's what started this whole like line of public servant sure who knew i was my mom always told me i was allowed to be a a firefighter so you know i became a cop see i was told i wasn't allowed to be a cop but i could become a firefighter well mom had to deal with dad who yeah he has probably about three of his nine lives left <laughs> we were just talking about it today like him and he was he was coming out of a burning building and as he was coming out of coming down the floors the ceilings were collapsing as soon as he came out of the building the whole building collapsed another time the fire escapes on the outsides of the buildings out there and he had just walked off the fire escape into the threshold of the door and the fire escape collapsed with firefighters still on it oh shit no one died 
injured, but injuries, but no one died. And so he, my mom's like, it just, so she's like, I can't, I can't, you can't be a firefighter. So I didn't. So I it is just a completely different world. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about different countries. It, you're just what a four hour, five hour flight yeah. away. Right. And, and it's a completely different way of doing business. Oh yeah. And he worked at a one man station. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> one man station. And he would have to back the fire truck in by himself. Oh damn. He didn't have his two spotters or he didn't have his pull through garage. Sorry guys. I, I, I love you guys out here. I really do. But you have a pull through garage. Come on. We're spoiled. Yeah. Nope. I say we, I'm not a firefighter, but the firefighters out here can be kind of spoiled, but that's okay. But I mean, good for them. So yeah, no, he, one man station. They're also still called firefighters instead of just EMTs with hoses, but oh shit, shots fired. I said it. Oh no. Uh, Water fairies? Hose draggers? (laughs) What do you, let's go. I'll I'll say all of them. I don't care. (laughs) I, well, and so, and I was an EMT for four years wanting to be a water fairy hose dragging, you know, (laughs) video game expert. Um, and it just didn't work out. And now here I am, the butt of every joke as the guy who wanted to be a firefighter who became a police officer. You know, I mean, I'm looking at this. If this doesn't work out for me, I'm going to the fireside, like the recliners and cooking for me. I'm going private sector if this doesn't work and out for true. me. That's true. Actually, wait, you know I'm, what? I'm going to go find a six-figure job that's somewhere. Probably, <laughs> that's the smart route. Yeah, I think so. I was just kind of thinking about like just transfer over my retirement stays that would be nice it's just to finish out your retirement yeah. like oh okay I, I there was a couple guys who worked for us um at, at my agency and one of them uh greg i don't know if he's listening to this but he realized he only had to do a few more years back in indiana to get his first pension and so he um he came out to our city and uh was there for like three years or something like that and then went oh shit i can go get my pension and so he's back in indiana finishing up and then he's going to come back to our city um uh, and, oh, hi, and for his brilliant. second career, I was like, yeah, why not? That's brilliant. So, and not unheard of. I mean, I think I work with multiple people who are on their second pension right now or, or working their way to their second pension. I, we have a guy who works for us as a patrol officer who retired as a lieutenant out of New Mexico. And I, he has no desire to, they asked him like, do you want to promote? And he was like, absolutely not. That's it. We have um, an officer who did 20 years. He graduated the academy, first day out of the academy in New York City. He's working ground zero for seven months. Damn. And so he did that, made it through sergeant, training sergeant, all these different. He uh, retired, came out here, works for us now, and is working on a second retirement. I'm like, I, wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, when I retire, I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. I got to hand it, though, to to the uh, the men and women over in New York, especially with us being still so close to 9-11. I'm here just, just seven days later on the 20th anniversary. I talked to a... Uh, uh, he, some sort of federal, I can't remember. It wasn't the FBI. He was a federal police officer out in New York city, but he'd started with NYPD and a very similar story. Like one of his first things that he ever did was respond out to ground zero uh-huh. and just talking to him on the phone was, was next level. And, it, but super cool. Hey man, you ever need anything in New York? You just hit me up. Here's my phone. It's my personal cell phone number. You just let me, and oh. if you ever come out here, hit me up, I'll, we'll give you the tour. I was like, well, shit. All yeah. right, cool. Thanks man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool bunch. But uh, all right, so you came out here um, 14 years later. Here you are. Here I am. Um, and uh, um, what uh, what prompted the transition out of crime scene? So I had done crime scene for about 10 years and um, was just ready for a change. Unfortunately, you see the same thing day in day out crime scene, and people are like, no, you don't. It's it's a different 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 it's a different scene and it's different you it just all starts to look the same you're doing burglaries and you're doing 
domestic violence investigations and you're doing death investigations and they all just end up being the same. And I kind of, I hate to say it, but I felt like my brain was rotting. Like I didn't, I wasn't using my potential. And so I was like, you know what? It's time for a change. And also I had been on the same schedule for probably eight years and there was no um, room for movement. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I, if I go to patrol, I can go to different schedules, different bosses. I can promote, I can go to different units. So I was like, there's so much more room for movement. I was like, it, it's a no brainer. So that's why I decided um, I, my department was backed me on it because I was staying there. So I stayed there, stayed in the department. Um, it was really awkward when I didn't really tell anyone, only if select people knew I was actually going to test. Mm -hmm. So when I walked into the test and people were like, what are you doing here? I'm like, uh, oh, are you here to talk to us about crime scene text? This is my or? number. I'm <laughs> testing. And then they're like, you're nervous. And then I think you're extra nervous because you don't want to fail in front of everyone. Absolutely. And then yeah. people are coming up and fist bumping you. You're just like, I don't, Oh, just can't pretend I'm not here. Like, just, just let me get through this. But it was really cool at the end after the, the run when I wanted to throw up and everyone's like high-fiving me. I was like, give me a minute. I gotta, I gotta go yeah, puke I, first. I gotta just gotta let, me, something just let me go puke. I'll, I'll be right back. It's fine. And so it was awesome. And so then decided to go to the academy, went to the academy, had a good time there. I hate to say that, but I did. I enjoyed it. You, I, I look back on the academy with, with a certain amount of fondness because you, you do sit back and you're like, you know what? Like, I pissed and moaned and moaned and pissed all the way through the academy. I was like, oh, I got to get up at four o'clock in the morning, right. blah, 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 blah. Uh, it is the easiest money you'll make for five months. Um, and then when you're already maxed out on vacation accrual. Oh, damn. <laughs> so you're just, you're just rolling in it. Oh, yeah. What kind of boat did you buy yourself? Is my <laughs> next know, question. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it was awesome. Just I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep getting vacation here because I can't take any. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was awesome. But. I also having 10 years and working with different agencies and different detectives and units and everything. So they come teach my class. They'd be like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, I'm supposed to pretend I don't. Yeah. Please, you. please pretend I don't Just, exist. Ugh. And they're like out in the, like the parking lot or whatever. They come up and give me a hug. And all my classmates are like, what, who are you? Don't worry about that. Kristen and I were talking offline about uh, uh, my academy. Kristen was less than 10 classes behind me in the academy. And my academy sergeant uh, has known Kristen for quite some time. And he walked <laughs> into the room and was like, why do I know you? And he's a pretty intimidating human being right up until you find the butterfly tattooed on his lower back. Yeah, I said uh -huh. it. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah, that information's out there. But don't worry, we won't name names on this podcast. No. Mainly because I'm still somewhat afraid of him. <laughs> oh, he's fine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He actually, um, after that whole, I'll pretend I don't know you recruit and I'm same. Uh, he went up to me and I had a, my uniform was always, I was very good about my uniform and he comes up to me. He's like, there's a piece of lint. Oh God, that was his thing. Sleeve. I swear he was lying to you. He knew, I knew he was cause he couldn't find me on anything else. Like, go ahead. Like my uniform is good. I know it's good. He'd make that little like picking motion off yeah, your shirt did. and you're like, totally bullshit. Did. I was like, there is not a dog hair like, on there. I went through 17 lint rollers before yeah. we came out here. Like, no, there's like 17 in my locker, another 17 in the classrooms hidden yeah. and like another four in my backpack. Like, no, we're good. Yeah, we've got tactical reloads yeah. on, on our lint rollers I'm in this academy still class. finding re like refills at home from the academy yeah yeah it happens I think I uh what did I what did I just find it was like uh I, I I knew I had kept a couple of my long sleeve academy shirts because we used to our rifle range used to be it was another agency's rifle range that was outdoors so mm. like I get long sleeve academy shirt don't really care if it gets screwed up I'm super pale keeps me from getting <laughs> but I didn't think I had any of the short sleeve ones and I was going through old shirts I'm like oh shit I still have this that does not fit me anymore because I'm a detective now no. and detectives got to eat donuts oh, so boy. yeah, mm. yeah mm -mm. 
Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was hazardous today. I uh, four thirty call out, and uh, I was like, okay, like bagel, cream cheese, coffee, not oh, the end of the world. Okay, not so good. it, it was delicious. <laughs> not, not the end of the world. Get done with everything, and it's like I don't know, noon. I walk past the break room, and what do I see? Like four boxes of donuts. Of course, like, there's donuts. Well, at least I don't have to go get lunch. Like I got to go scene process real quick. So I guess I'll just grab a donut and be on my way. Like I'm feeding the stereotype. They're power this rings. Is embar- they're power rings. Power rings. <laughs> Unless it's a maple bar. I don't know what you call those. Power bar? Power bar. I think it's like copyrighted already. Probably. Mm. We'll have to work on that. <laughs> we'll come up with something. We'll keep drinking. Um, we are here. Shout out. If you come on to my show, I let you drink. Uh, I say let you. Uh, <laughs> I know. Like, not, to, not to be a dick, but um, the like special bottle that I keep is from Horse, Horse Soldiers Whiskey. So I had it on with uh, with Chris Palmer a couple weeks ago. Uh, and big shout out to those guys. They uh, uh, conducted the first ground operations with uh, the Green Berets in Afghanistan right after 9-11. And then couple of them decided to open a whiskey distillery port authority yeah. gave them some steel from 9-11 or from the world trade center to uh, melt down and it's how they cast their bottles so uh it's by no means is it like a it's not like an eagle rare 10 year you know 120 dollar <laughs> bottle or 200 dollar bottle of bourbon but it's a uh a like significant we're also you know, fairly new cops yeah. <laughs> it's what we can afford it's what we can afford <laughs> yeah that and 26 dollar buffalo trace and you can get it so yeah no i, I don't know I, i'm a bourbon connoisseur <laughs> at, at 15 dollars a bottle yeah yeah so, um i don't want to deprive anybody we ha- we skipped right over the icebreaker questions let's do it um so uh, you can have a drink with anybody living or dead who is it and what are you drinking i actually really thought about this one i know the the typical would be like family amelia Earhart. i like it Run with it. Talk to so, me. So front runner, like frontier for a woman in the aviation. Like she was out there trying to prove her that she prove her that she can do this and be with the men. And I kind of feel like the same thing being a woman in law enforcement is that, you know, we have to keep the same standards the guys do. And that's the same with her. And then also I want to know where she went. She disappeared. <laughs> is so let me ask you this because I went off the deep end like, I don't know three or four weeks ago, um, I discovered that Disney Plus has more than just shows for my son, that there are like good, like National Geographic documentaries. And one of them was all about like finding Amelia Earhart. Um, And it was led by Bob Ballard, who found the Titanic. Okay. And I was like, well, shit, I'm pretty sure if we'd found Amelia Earhart, I would have heard about it by now. But I'll be, humor me, go for it. So, uh, Kristen, did she land on an island or is her plane at the bottom of the ocean? I'm thinking she's at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks to think about because like it's, yeah. it's difficult and to map the bottom of the ocean is such a massive yeah. undertaking. <laughs> I mean, when they, what was the, the Malaysian airlines flight that went down? Oh yeah. They, yeah, they mapped a whole shitload of like the Indian ocean and, um, uh, a lot of the, the underwater canyons and whatnot in that area. And just the amount of manpower and time that went oh, into it. Yeah. And you're looking for, uh, like an, a giant Airbus commercial yeah. airliner, not a, a Lockheed Electra, you know, twin engine <laughs> yeah. from 80 years ago. Right. So like, so yes, I would love to know like what it was like for her to be like a frontier for women in aviation. And then also where have you been? What's up? Like, yeah. <laughs> bro, we've been looking for know, you. Where'd you like, go? Oh, sorry. Or did you have a, you found a private Island and that's awesome. See, I think if, I'd like to think that she landed on an island because there were like spurious radio communications after she landed. Um, 
like the and it's it's truly it's sad to think about because they got all these like picket ships out in the ocean all all for like radio relays and one of them can hear her just going back and forth across this like compass heading for huh. hours and but they cannot she cannot receive them so they're trying to communicate with oh, her oh wow and they're not having any luck i'm a huge aviation nerd uh, yeah <laughs> but but it's just sad to think about that they're sitting there the, you know this and they can't do this anything. well on this poor you know the, who's a radio man in the navy in 1932 or whatever probably some like 19 year old kid right. is like holy shit did i just lose amelia Earhart? like i can't even imagine what that must have felt like oh my god but for her, you know, like one engine goes out, next engine goes out. Like, well, shit. Well, um, here goes. This yeah. is it. This is it. Yeah. I, I would love to think that she crash landed on an island and like made it. Yeah. Like, like did her level best to survive as long as she possibly could. But that's a big ocean with a lot of really tiny dots. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think just with the satellite technology, if her plane was sitting in a jungle somewhere, like we'd have found we'd it have found by it. now. I mean... Have you looked up Disney's plane sitting at Walt Disney World? No. You can find it on Google Maps. Google Maps got some creepy <laughs> shit that you can look at on it. It's actually super cool. His private pl plane is just sitting there uh, just north of uh, Animal Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. I will have to look into that. Because <laughs> I do that from time to time. Like You can go through like um, uh, the, uh, the Caribbean and like see shipwrecks. From satellite, oh, that's super cool. Which I always thought was kind of like now a neat I have little to do thing. that. Yeah, now I'm gonna do that. You want to you want to blow four hours of your time because yes. you can't sleep one night. Just yeah, perfect. Wait. I'll I'll go look at Walt Disney's plane. You go look at shipwrecks. Done, done. All right, I, Amelia Earhart. I like it, and because and for a lot of the right, like yes, her her fame and and I don't know that infamy is the right word, and in, in and only in the manner in which we and I do say we as a society lost her. Mm -hmm. Um, like that was a true loss to not only like. America, but the international aviation community and especially women everywhere, because you do have this, this woman who's like, Oh, your rules, fuck your rules. Yeah. Like I'm going to take to the skies today. And they're yeah. like, what? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I like that answer. And kind of cool. My dog is named after her. I didn't name her either. She came with her name. She's okay. a rescue and she, I got her when she was eight weeks old, but she was the first in her litter to use the doggy door and the first to go exploring. So they thought it was appropriate to name her after Amelia. That's a cool, that's a cool story. For and I was like, name. okay, yeah, she's keeping it. I'm not changing it. So I have a rescue named Achilles. Uh, I don't know where he got his name from. Mm. Uh, I can't think of anything uh, that, that he would have had. We call him Achilles, the destroyer of worlds, because <laughs> even at like six years old, he still thinks that he's nine months old and likes to chew on various oh, things. Oh and, yeah. And then we've got Piper, which my wife named and I don't, there is a story there, but I don't know what it is. I've forgotten. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to attribute that to exhaustion. Oh, yeah, that, I but mean, that, you know, true. it happened. Um, would you, if you could, would you ever uh, say tomorrow you became a, a pilot? Would you try to recreate Amelia Earhart's flight? I don't know. It's, I've never thought about that. I mean, technology now. Yeah. Why not? Give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I think with technology now, it'd, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Because there are so many... Uh, you know, when, when she crossed the world, you had a radio. Right. And it was like, she had this whole new like radio direction finder that was supposed to have been installed on her plane that had never been tested before. But now like planes send little handshake signals to satellites every something like every like 15 seconds or something like that. Like you're, I think you're pretty safe out there. You're starting to go like over my head. You're starting <laughs> sorry. to get in that I'm realm. Sorry. <laughs> Again, huge, huge plane nerd. I know. I, and nerd, who so. knew like even saying that, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think 
I don't know. I think you could do it. Yeah. Why not? Why not? It's a new challenge. Fuck it. Just go for yeah, it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I live my <laughs> life at this point. <laughs> that looks cool. Let's go do it. Um, next up is, uh, what books are you currently reading or listening to? I, I listen to most of my books now because of driving oh, so much. Give but. me a good hardback. Oh, I love a good, a solid hardback. Uh, I actually just finished, I did listen to this one. Uh, you're a badass. So I finished listening to that one. And the last one I just read was uh, Stephen King's Desperation. Okay. And I just started another Stephen King. I haven't quite, I, it's downloaded at least. So Counts for something. Yes. Um, what is You're a Badass about? I have an idea, it's a, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Yeah, it's, it's basically just like taking control of your life and like you can do it. Don't doubt yourself, you know, put the effort in for yourself, focus on yourself and like, don't let anyone like kind of crush your spirit. So that's how I right. look at it. I like it. I'm kind of one of the, I mean, I, I'm one of those who's just like, yeah, oh, whatever. I'm going to go do it. Like, you're not going to stop me. You did mention earlier. I mean, we've talked about your extensive education a little bit, and you did say that you, you are considering going back for your PhD so you can be Dr. Officer. Kristen. Dr. Officer. I love it. That's what Do I want. Dr. Detective Kristen. <laughs> yes. Do yes, please. Dr. Sergeant Kristen. <laughs> just, just keep going. Yeah. Dr. Chief Kristen. No, too far. Too far. <laughs> too far. <laughs> too too much admin, not yeah, enough cop. Yeah, exactly. I I gotta hand it to chiefs. I don't I don't particularly envy their job, especially in this day and age. I think it takes a a specific person out, and not not being negative about. It, I think it takes no, a specific but, person to go and and do that job. Like oh, yeah. hats off, uh, not kissing ass to admin. Like I have zero. You are constantly under scrutiny, especially if you're the chief of, you know, NYPD, LAPD, like Chicago, some of these major cities around the fucking Portland, Seattle. No, thanks. You couldn't pay me enough. No, No. I mean, you might, you might, but no, I don't know. No, I don't even think like, like we were talking about private sector. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there first. I just, yeah, I, I just, I don't know how they, how they fucking do it. Um, and then Stephen King. So are you, are you a big fan of Stephen King? Is this a new thing? It's a new thing. Okay. Um, I look, I like, I ask for a lot of book recommendations from friends, which a lot of them are like the, um, Jordan Peterson. A lot of my friends read him and I'm like, ah, I need some, but I need the, to take my mind off of things kind mm-hmm. of easy reading as I call it. So I love Dan Brown. I love reading all of his books. Oh yeah. But he hasn't anything new lately, so I'm like, Ugh. Richard Preston is still my number one absolute favorite author, and I think it's just because that's what got me started into what I wanted to do originally with the CDC and Ebola. Mm-hmm. So um, I like reading his books, but I like reading like the science, more science-based, not science fiction, but more like the science-based books where like Ebola or, you know, the Freemasons with Dan Brown, mm-hmm. I like those ones that like kind of tie into real actual things that can yeah. really happen. So, but the Stephen King thing was like, eh, let's try that. See, it's good entertainment, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it does take you, even though like I, since becoming a cop and I don't know if you're like this at all, but I mean, keep me the fuck away from current events. Like oh, I, just, God. I yeah. just, I get enough of it as it is. I don't want to come home and relax by still pretending to be a police officer or whatever the case may be. Like I just, I don't even no turn thanks. the news on. I don't nope, read the news. I don't, no. I don't know the last time I purposefully watched the news. No. And it was on last night. I was hanging out with my parents and they had the news on. And I was just like, oh, I can't. I just can't. Can we? Can we? Oh, I'll suffer through this. But they like watching the news. And I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, I can't even do this. Like yeah. I can't even listen to it. And But it's fine. It's what they do. And they're retired-ish. So they're allowed to have it. Me, I'm like, I don't. 
I deal with this on a daily yeah, basis. Do your I thing. don't care. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, no thanks on the news. But as far it's not at all science-based, but uh, easy reading uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. And if you get the audiobook, it's him reading his own book. Ooh. And so you get it the the way that he intended yeah. for it to be, you know, read. Um, and it's... I'm adding it to the list right now. Go for now. it, yeah. I legit 100%, have a reading list. 100% easy listening, uh, you know, funny story. A lot of shit that you just had no idea about the guy going back. Um he does have one story in there about, and it's a fairly famous story of like Dallas or Austin PD busting through his door because he was playing the bongo drums naked. I have to imagine there's more to it than that because oh my god, that sounds amazing. you just don't develop PC because somebody's in their own yeah. house naked playing the bongo yeah. drums. But yeah. hey, there's dipshit cops, so maybe they thought they had it. I don't know. Maybe they thought his bongo drums sounded like uh, I don't know something no? yeah and i don't know bongo drums sound like bongos yeah so. no i now i have to read this yeah listen to it yeah listen actually to probably it. listen to it listen to it it's it's pretty fucking awesome okay. to, to hear matthew mcconaughey uh and and the way that he intended his book to be read it's, it's pretty next level added to the list on deal what is uh what is something that you wholeheartedly believe in that a lot of people consider to be a conspiracy theory <sighs> i i Again, I thought about this one. I went for a trail run yesterday, five mile trail run. I thought about casually. all these questions. You know, it's casually. Funny. I think about running five miles and I get tired. So, <laughs> so um, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to preface this. I'm not big to discuss politics. Okay, I'm not going to go there. But I think all of 2020 was a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and now Biden in office. I think it's part of that. And I just think, yes, COVID's bad, and yes, it happened, but. Are the numbers the way they're really supposed to be? I don't think so. And well, and there were stories last year coming out about like a guy killed in a motorcycle collision and his death was listed as COVID related. Have you seen like the numbers of like flu cases for 2020 and 2021 versus all the years prior yes. versus COVID cases? You're like, really? Like not everything's COVID. Like it just, so yes, that's my, my thought of 2020 is I think it's just a giant ploy by the government trying to regulate something, do something. I don't know what exactly, but yeah, that's yeah. what I've, I've. Oh yeah. You'd, you'd chase the rabbit on that one, trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, and somebody, I don't even know who on Instagram and yes, I know social media, you can make shit up. Big right. surprise. Um, but they'd posted that like the deaths of like inner city youths last year against COVID and the kids that had been killed due to gang violence far and away surpassed the number of deaths due to COVID. And and I don't discredit COVID's danger to certain people. Right. right? Like I have I had a friend who was killed from medical complications, including COVID. Right. I, I, I don't pretend that it doesn't exist. I believe that COVID is a very real thing. Um, but was it worth absolutely destroying not even just our economy, the entire fucking planet? Right. I mean, the Australians got put back under lockdown recently and they just blasted through a police checkpoint. There was a video of like a couple hundred rioters and it was a skirmish line of like 20 cops. Yeah. Okay. You set your cops up to fail a just, yeah, yeah just, go. just, just fucking go. Like, don't even try to put up the fight, bro. Like they're just going to push right through you. It's not <laughs> worth you getting hurt over, but like you set your cops up to fail and, f and for what? Right. Like, what are you, what are you trying to prove? I, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. And it's just, that's my, that's my conspiracy theory thought. And just, have yeah. you had the Q-tip up the nose yet where it tickles your brainstem? I'm actually in a study 
Oh, shit. I may need more alcohol. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm in a study for frontline workers. Okay. Through uh, University of Arizona. And I am tested every week by myself. Fun. So I, I just got tested because I was vaccinated um, and not going to get into the vax, no vax oh, debate. Oh, yeah. The, the way that I looked at it was, you know what? And I joke a lot about being super unhealthy. Uh, the way I looked at it was, okay, some people are having adverse reactions to this vaccine. Maybe things can start to get back to normal. I'm healthy. I can probably go get vaccinated without too many side effects. I still have an enduring side effect from the Moderna vaccine. Yeah, you fuckers. I said it. Um, but uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> like, I'm a, little, a little angry at them. Um, but I still have all 10 fingers and all 10 toes. So that counts for something. You have an 11th growing. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> exactly. It'll, it'll come out and surprise me <laughs> on my 40th birthday. Um, but I had to get tested on friday due to mm. a work related exposure oh boy and i had never had the q-tip up the nose before and it didn't it wasn't actually all no. that bad i had to sneeze right afterwards yeah. <laughs> i felt bad for I the, have to, like, the tech i have so. to get it to about here every day every week Ugh. so yeah i've gotten used to it i'm like oh, no, it's just yeah it's just tuesday whatever oh, yeah tuesday let me it. just let me just check but actually i'm able i was able to at the beginning of all this, I got exposed. I was actually able to use those results and got them back faster if I would went and got tested somewhere else. Yeah, that would have been. I mean, it didn't take the urgent care. I mean, it was maybe 24 hours well, that it took is, them to get yeah. back to me. But yeah, I mean, I imagine at the beginning, those tests were all taking four, five, six days. Yeah, and there. I was actually able to get my results back faster. So I just use those. And I'm like, look, negative, done. Yes. Yeah. Move on. So yeah, yeah, we'll just move on with it. I don't know. Hopefully we can just as a... <sighs> As a world, we can just move on from this. I don't know that, like, will it always be hanging over, you know, hanging over our heads? Uh, potentially, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's like, you think about, like, the plague back in, I'm terrible with dates in history, but, you know, how long did the plague last? The dudes with the with the bird costumes. Oh my God, this yeah. still is still scary to me, but yes. I, I, I still don't fucking understand it. Like, what, who sat there and was like, I bet I can get all these fuckers to wear bird Yeah, masks. like. <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh, wait. Like, hey, Ludwig, we can just have them wear, like, cloths over there. No, 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 dude, this is going to be way better. Oh, wait, it sounds like right now. Oh, let's see how many people I can make to wear masks. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. Weird. History is cyclical, and I didn't really understand it when I was younger. Because I, I, among among all my nerdy things, I am a history nerd, first and foremost. And it is weird to just look back and draw parallels. Oh, yeah. Between what's going on now and what happened in the last century, uh, centuries ago, you know, and... Uh, it's a it's a fun way to dive into alcoholism i tell you what um (laughs) i promise i promise i'm not an alcoholic nope um but uh all right so thank you for uh indulging me and getting through the icebreaker questions that uh uh we had already plunged through the sheet of ice (laughs) we just came back up that's how i am by the way i'm just gonna go Jump in. Anybody who's listened to this show for any length of time is like, fucking Kevin, just, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it one way each time. It's got to be a little bit different. We've got to go down the rabbit holes. You have to like switch it up. Keep people like cliffhangers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Keep them guessing. Keep them on their toes. (laughs) Um, But uh, uh, so I do want to dive more into uh, you as as a female officer. Um, What are. What are some of the challenges that you, it's a super open-ended question, I know, but what are some of the challenges that you think you faced or you have rather not that you think that you have faced as a female officer? Um, I think one of the biggest things is being kind of accepted into the good old boys club. I'm very lucky where I work. I've been part of the agency, like I said, for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I'm working with a lot of newer officers who haven't known me for the 14 years. They've only known me since they've graduated the academy or sure. they've come over to us. So the guys also always end up getting along a lot better and I tend to get excluded. I'll be honest, I get excluded sometimes and they forget to text me and let me know that, hey, squad dinner. I'm like, oh, thanks for letting me know, guys. Or I'm not in the squad group text because I'm not one of the guys. Well, that's shitty. But I, I, I can understand like, oh, we just talk about stupid guy stuff. I'm like, I'm part of the squad too, but... Whatever. I'm on a squad now that like our squad text is the funniest thing ever. And we get along. There's also my sergeant's a female and there's two females on the squad. Mm -hmm. So we actually, the other female and I went to the academy together. So it was actually pretty cool. But that's, that's one of the things is kind of like, this is a, it's a male dominated profession and you know, you have to be a strong enough female to come in and like make your place. And a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of females end up going kind of the detective route and head back that way. And I honestly, I love being on patrol. I love doing, going out. Our squad the other night was like, it's time to get in a fight. We need a good fight. Like, and It's we're been all, too long since yeah. the use of force report. Nobody's talked yeah. to us about that in a it's while. It's fine. It's time. So like, but I still, I still love being on the patrol side of things. And I still love being like out on the streets. Um, unfortunately, where I work some nights, it's, whew, it's tough. I'll, I'll be honest, but yeah. I like it. It's still fun. Um, but I think it's, I love when the little girls look up to you and be like, I've never seen a girl police officer before. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be able to inspire like the new, the new cops, the new generation coming up to like, you can do this too. It's not just what you typically see on TV and it's not typically what you, you hear about. And it's, I want I want the girls to realize that, yeah, you can do this job too. And you can be just as badass as the guys or even more. So that's, that's what I like doing this for. It's, it's fun. Cause I work, I'll work off duty at a school or something. So I'll purposely wear my hair in a ponytail and I put a bow in it and the little girls come up and are all high-fiving me or come up. What's that on your belt? And what's that? And what's that? You have like the little group of little girls all around you. But when do they get the chance to do that and go talk to a police officer in that, that aspect? Like they're all male. It's a male dominated field. Those little girls are going to be intimidated to go talk to a guy. Yeah. Or they can come up and talk to me and they think it's the coolest thing. Or they go, I like your bow and your hair. I'm like, you like that one? I thought it was a good one today. It's, it's so fun that you can just kind of open that dialogue with them. And so I think that going back to the challenges, it's just been kind of making a mark in, in policing as a female police officer and trying to show the guys, guess what? I can do just the same as you can. Um, I feel like we are really better at de-escalating situations by just talking to people instead of, um, brute force. (laughs) (laughs) So, cause I have had a thought rolling around in my brain as you've been talking, but keep going and I'll I'll touch on that one in a second. The brute force. I feel like I can talk to people way easier than, you know, the brute force aspect of it where most guys are just like, ah, we're done. And I'm like, no, I'll just, just talk to, they're coming down. I can tell they're coming down. And I think that intuition, the women's intuition too, I think plays a big role into that. I don't know. I feel like I can, I can read people really well, but I don't know. Some people say yes. Some people say no, I, but I don't know. I'm trying to think like, I really haven't had any per se, like uphill battles with anything. Have you, have you had any of the like stereotypical, like douchey cop dudes, like say offhanded remarks to you? No, not really. Good. I've been, I've been very lucky. I think it's just, I haven't had any of that. It's, it's the, um, 
the drunken public likes to say sure. things. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're just I like, can't even begin to imagine. <sighs> you're just like, no, no, it's not a costume. It's the real thing. And I will use these handcuffs and I have no problem. And not and, in a way that you want to use. It's, it's not going to be pleasurable either. So yeah, no, I, I've been very lucky. Um, I've been really taken in as part of the, like the brotherhood. I will say the brotherhood and the family. I have a, I have a, a family where I'm from or the agency I'm with. And uh, that's why I've been with the agency for 14 years. I did the 10, 10 years as crime scene. And when I decided to go into patrol, I didn't go anywhere else. I literally applied to my agency and that was it. Mm -hmm. And I stayed there because that's my family. And I've always had that. And I had a, at that time, Sergeant who kind of took me like under his wing when I was still crime scene and invited me to his squad's dinners and the squad would go and I would do the crime scene civilian. I still got invited to go and now I'm auntie to his kids. So it's nice. pretty cool. It's a, nice. it's a cool little, that's what I said. I've just, I, I can't complain. I've had, a, I feel like I've had a really good, run in law enforcement so far. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and, and thinking, you, you know, you, you say, Oh, well, the brotherhood, the family, it is that within, within the community of law enforcement, that societal shift that needs to happen, that it's, hey, it's no longer the brotherhood. Like, yeah. And that's not a bad thing no. either. Like my, my first patrol team, I had a female, uh, beat partner. Um, and then my second patrol team, we had a female boss, uh, but we also had an absolute shit show of an officer that she was constantly having to deal with. And so mm. this, the six of us, and it's all like rough and rowdy, you know, dudes, like I'm one of the smallest guy. I was one of the smallest guys on that team at, oh at six feet, 200 pounds type of thing. Um, uh, until we got one of our, you know, newer, newer guys who came in, you know, one of those like turn uh, 21 in the Academy type the, dudes, the but dark glasses, but yeah. he's done, he's done a stellar job at his career as well. But our Lieutenant, who was also a female had to come in and like, I don't know what it is. Like, I need to settle you the fuck down, but you, your team graveyard team, um, in a interesting part of town, um, uh, had like the most uses of force <laughs> in the entire department. <laughs> and we're like, we're sitting there and we're like, Oh, um, oops what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> about that. And we're like, okay, LT. No, we totally get where you're coming from. We're like 15 minutes later, be like, yeah, well, I got one running. Boom. Uh, one detained. Like, <laughs> like, Hey, why are you chasing that guy? I don't know. Cause it's fun. Oh, like, oh. see, so, I'm the one who follows behind and picks up everyone's gear. Yeah. The, the like, yard sale. You, I am like 10 years older than you. Just go, just go. You know what you, you got, you got, go ahead. I'm going to get, I got your baton. I, I got your taser. We, Flashlights for me. It's always the flashlight. Well, it was everything. Knife, taser, uh, camera. Like, do you have anything? Anything left? Are you still wearing your I got my boots like, on. <laughs> like, walking up. I got you. I got you. You got him? Oh, I got you. Okay, let's go. It's a good thing he had a shopping cart with him because I ended up needing it for yeah. all your shit that you lost. <laughs> like, but then, I mean, but la through all of, of 2020, I had a female supervisor who, who was fucking awesome. Um, I had, uh, again, a female beat partner who probably beat the shit out of more people than I ever did. <laughs> um, I, have looking back on my career, I was like, I had maybe been in like, like two, maybe three actual fights. And it's, it was like an every other week thing you'd, you'd hear her on the radio, like, like, uh, yeah, like emergency backup. And by the time we get there, like the other person's just laying on the ground with like the, the little Tweety birds going around their head. They're already <laughs> yeah. in handcuffs and we're like, Hey, hey you good? Yeah, fuck took you so long. I'm like, so sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. 30 sorry. seconds. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll 25 next time. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is, I mean, you 
you touched on a little bit like, oh, we're going to go do like, sorry, you can't come to choir practice or, oh, we don't, we totally left you out. Like I work with a, my senior detective who has been responsible for training me. Um, so if I do anything wrong, it's her fault. Um, no, just kidding. Um, but, uh, she was out on a, uh, uh, vacation recently and there were a shitload of people from the department there. And one of the, one of the, uh, you know, male officers came around and was like, okay, okay, let's get everybody for a picture. All, all the PD people for a picture. And she stands up and he was like, Oh no, 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 just, just guys. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like just the SWAT team or we have a female SWAT officer. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just the SWAT team. It wasn't just the detective bureau. It was like all PD people come over and take this picture. And she's just sitting there like the, what the fuck is going through my head right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And it like, I mean, it absolutely like floored me when she told me, I'm like, are you, you fucking kidding me? Yeah, like, like, like you're more senior than some of the people that were in that photo. Like what, what the fuck? Right. Exactly. And you're like, and now you expect me to actually have a good relationship with you. Like how? Yeah. Yeah. There was, there were, there were apologies made as I understand it. But, uh, you just sit there and you're like, how, like, how are we still doing that? Yeah. Like, and, and I asked about, you know, like if they've made any inappropriate comments only because one of the, uh, eventually she'll come on the show. Uh, Karen Logan, she started out with Chicago PD, um, and then became a fucking federal air marshal, like, like pretty next level yeah. shit. But when she was in Chicago PD and I don't want to give away her story, but her, I think it was her FTO, like drove over to this warehouse district and basically was like, okay, Hey, like, you know what happened, you know what needs to happen over here. And she was like, fuck you. Oh God. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm walking. And it, I and, don't care. And it was a, I mean, it was 30, yeah, 35, still, 40 yeah. years ago. That doesn't make it any more acceptable, even though it was, it was more commonplace, but not, not an acceptable form of behavior. Um, but you just sit there now and you're like, okay, what, what's the deal? Like the girl I had on my team that would kick absolute ass last year would literally look at us and be like, I'm going to beat you with my dick. If you guys don't, don't speed it up. And we're like, oh, okay, sorry. We're on our yes. way. We're on. like, oh, I'm still fucking afraid of her. And she's four and a half feet tall. So, <laughs> yes. and she knows I'm afraid of her and she, she uses it against me, but that's okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Cause she's also now in the detective bureau. So that's awesome. But, uh, um, what, I mean, has anybody on your team had an open discussion with you about like, male officers or female officers or, or what it was like, you know, kind of coming up at all. No, it's very interesting. I, um, I'm on, I was on a shift that I had basically everyone brand new out of the Academy. So, um, I worked that for like almost three and a half years. So it was very interesting working with guys that I'm like, I could be your mom. <laughs> like, don't, like, you just look at these kids, kids. I will call them kids. I fully can say that. It happens. It happens. And I'm like, I just look at them like, Oh, like, do you, do you do anything besides video games? Like, do you, do you, do you know how to cook? Do you know life without a cell phone? Like, and it's so funny. Cause I'll like, like, let me gather around children. Let me tell oh, you about the yeah, 90s. We, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if it's the new generation. I, they don't really, the dialogue doesn't really open up. I don't feel like just on any level. Mm -mm. No, no, really. Do you, painful sometimes to watch someone calls and you're like key any small talk anything no no you're just gonna stand there and stare like, at them you're just gonna stand there and stare. you can't even fucking ask them about the weather I, tattoos ask anything. them about their tattoos yeah people with tattoos love to tell you yes. about their tattoos they will tell you all day about them even though they hate you and are screaming at you and cursing you about putting many handcuffs they will tell you about their tattoos and what they're for and where they got them and who like anything people 
I usually talk sports or dogs. I'm a phlebotomist and my biggest thing is to ask people about their pets while I'm sticking them for blood. <laughs> like I, these new guys, I don't know. So yes, no dialogue has actually ever been open. It's very interesting. I think that coming from a male officer perspective, that it might be, I say might again, is that it, it's uncomfortable for us to go up to you as our female counterpart and be like, so how's it going? Yeah. Just talk to me. I will talk your ear off. Like I can talk sports. I can talk anything. Cars. I'm, I'm a car girl. I can talk cars. I can talk any of that. And once like some of them start to actually start to realize that they'll we'll just sit and bullshit for, you know, and it's awesome. The sports betting thing just opened up and I got yeah. into that. And like one guy was like, yeah, I made like 700. I'm like, Jesus. But like, I, I can talk to you guys about anything. Just talk to me. Like, right. So it's pretty cool. Our, my, my squad I'm on now, like we're very, it's a little bit, we're all a little older. So it actually is nicer. I don't have the brand new straight out of the academy, 21, 22 year olds that like can't even carry a conversation with their girlfriends, let alone a stranger. So, right. um, so it's pretty cool to be on a squad now where you can just, we joke and dig into each other and give each other shit. And it's awesome. See, and I think that's, that's part of it, but that's just part of the, of that family dynamic as mm -hmm. a whole. It, you as an officer, doesn't matter if you're male, female, your race, you know, your, your sexual orientation, whatever, if you can't like shoot the shit, yeah. then, then you're going to be sort of cast aside as like, uh, like, I don't, like, you don't really talk to us about shit. Like, so we're not going to talk to you about things. Like I'm not going to sit there and like play these stupid little games with you at two o'clock in the morning and be like, okay, bro. So if you had $400 billion, <laughs> what would you do? Um, your radio DJ voice just came out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a records clerk tell me, you have a broadcaster's voice. I'm like, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> about that. <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, just in general, like if you can't just shoot the shit out there, you're, you're going to be kind of just like, people are going to look at you and be like, yeah, I don't like. Yeah, they don't even want to get to know you. I don't, I don't want to get to know you because I had a guy straight up tell me what you do. I actually had a male and a female officer tell me this. Um, Hey, like, Hey, how was your weekend? Like it's none of your fucking business. We're like, okay, then like, maybe you're just having a shitty day. Like I'll come back at you later on. But Hey, so like what you got any like vacations coming up? Like, why are you, my personal life is my personal life. And oh you're like, you're like, all right, fuck me then. Yeah. Oh. But then you, they sit there and they're like, well, nobody wants to work with me. Like, yeah. Cause you're I a miserable why. fucking human being to be around. You're just a straight up asshole at that point. I'll say it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter, you know, what your what your gender is it's just part of being a human we work in an exceptionally extraordinary position and I, and i say that um you know meaning not that we're i don't i don't want to put cops on a pedestal um i i andrew tatum uh uh from austere tech med brought it up as, as this hero worship thing that that people do and and we Hey, you want to come up to me, shake my hand? I, I'm all for it. But but don't sit there and be like, oh, I wish I could have been a cop. Like, wait, you went and did cool things with your life too. Yeah. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Yeah. But like sometimes I wish I could do other things yeah, other exactly. than be a cop. But but just be willing to have these these fucking conversations with people and and, and open up to your teammates. You, you're in this stressful, extraordinary position. Your lives are on the fucking line. The people that you're patrolling with may save your life one day. You may save their lives, you know, it, there needs to be that that level of trust and that bonding, and that just plain doesn't happen if you just sit there and you're like, no, I'm just here to do my ten and go home. I'm like, right. fuck off, I'm not talking to you. 
Because if you, if you give off that vibe, all right, cool. I'm just, hey, yeah, I'll back you up and make sure nobody shoots you in the face. Um, cool. But Code I'm not, four out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you good? All right, cool. See you later. <laughs> the four. Yeah, hold up four <laughs> fingers. It's all right, man. See you. I'm out. So, and there, you know, I think that you might get that at every agency. Yeah. But um, what, uh, in in your opinion, um, and we leave out certain details so that people can't come back at you and be like, so I heard you on the podcast because yeah. I had a reporter do that to somebody recently. Yeah, I so, saw that. Um, but uh, what can be done to recruit more female officers? Like, do, do you think, think that it, do you think that it starts at that super young age? Because you talking about these little girls coming up to you, it, it sounds to me having a little boy come up to me and be like, Hey, Mr. Policeman, like I used to take, we'd go out to like the kid, you know, the, the drive by birthday parties were big last yeah. year. Um, but we'd, we'd go out to little kids' birthday parties or find kids with the lemonade stands, you know, put, put the plate carriers on them, put the helmets on them, take pictures with them. And, and it never really uh, occurred to me until, and they gave me a detective badge. It never really occurred to me until right now that, yeah, those were all like little boys and little girls never mm-hmm. really came over to us. Yeah. But does, does it start at that super young age or do you need to, to get out into the schools and the colleges? Like what, if, if, if things could be done Kristen's way, I think starting off young, like I have the opportunity where I do some off duty jobs at schools. I'm able to just to go talk to the little girls or I'll go sit in the classes or the teachers and say, Hey, can you come down to my class today? Sure. Just tell them about what you're doing or like the unity tour. And I, the one class we did like a whole like geography lesson on like where I was riding, which was super cool. But like the little girls just like having that confidence to go up and talk to a police officer. Just that starting there, you're building their confidence. And now, mom, I went and talked to this police officer today. And I had a little girl who came up and gave me a hug. And I was like, almost in tears. Like she was adorable. And her mom's like, uh, I don't, I don't know where that came from, but I'm like, no, she's totally fine. And she's like, bye officer. Like waved. She's like, hope you have a good day. I'm like, I I feel like I should be saying this to you. Like you're adorable. But I think getting in and like showing that we're not all these big mean, I hate when parents go, oh, they're going to get you. They're going to put you in handcuffs. I have chewed more parents' asses (sighs) out for that than I can keep track of. And I I give up. Like, I don't, I know I'm like, okay. But like, I rather go up, I I try to change the narrative when the little kids are like, oh, they're going to arrest you. I'm like, hey, what did you do today? Or like, I try to change the narrative a little bit to show that I'm not this big mean person. I'm actually super cool to talk to and super cool to hang out with. Like the one school actually, um, I changed out of my uniform that day and got into the dunk tank with them. Oh, damn. <laughs> got into the dunk tank. And then all the, it was actually really cool. The little girls were like, will you come on the big slide with us? They one of those big bouncy house slide things. I was like, yeah. And I got on the slide with them. And they were like, just, I think for them to see that I'm a normal person too. But then I could put that uniform on and that like, okay, now I'm an authority figure. But I'm still like a normal human being, like your parents or your family, like that don't have police officers in their family. And I think getting in the schools too, it, you know, you're starting out like, especially like the grade schools and the middle schools where those girls are starting to kind of think maybe what I want to do in college or, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I was the weirdo in sixth grade, read a book about Ebola and wanted to go do that for school. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that you became a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> still kind of nerdy and I still kind of want to do it, but whatever. Um, but they, I think getting into that and just showing that like, you don't just have to 
be a, the police officer. I look back and like, have you ever seen those old photos of the, the female police officers in the skirts? Oh, yeah. and the little like high heel, like yep. the little heels. Like yep. that's not, that's not how it yeah, is. Yeah. My agency apparently years before I ever got there, tried to bring that back. And every female officer was like, fuck oh, you. God. <laughs> no, I don't even wear like, I wear long sleeves in the middle of summer here. Oh, I wear long sleeves too. Because again, because I'm so pale oh, and no, it's I just, just, it's just an extra layer from the nastiness. Yeah. That's what I was like. So, I don't want the schmegma on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I wore short sleeves. Uh, like, I don't know, like a handful of times on FTO. Oh yeah. And yeah, don't never again. I don't, our, our like annual uniform allowance comes out where, Hey, you can get X number of shirts and pants, like all just order long me all, all long sleeves, please. Okay. I don't wear short sleeves. My, my lieutenant saw me. I'd run out of, out of long sleeves. Actually, the dry cleaner still had mine. Yes. I, I said that. Um, but he was like, are you, you good? I'm like, why? He's like, you're wearing short sleeves. I'm like, I'm out of uniforms. Just, just yeah, just roll with it. Just, I just got to make it work for one day. <laughs> I was like, I'm on like day like 10 in a row here. So we're just going to, it was shift change and schedule change. And it was like, just roll with it. I'm fine. I promise. I might need some coffee later, but yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> and some sunscreen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I am. Um, but I think getting into the schools and just kind of like just showing that little girls and females that you can do this job too. You can be just as badass as the guys. And you know, I, Show them that you can go. You want to be a SWAT officer? Go be a SWAT operator. Like, go do it. Good for you. Like, you want to be mounted? Go. You want to ride a motorcycle? Go do it. Like, yeah. you can. You have so many options. Just go live out your dreams. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think my my academy RTO, who she was in charge of my little bunch. First of all, I had three female RTOs in my academy class. I too. Which is probably to a certain point unheard of. Yeah. Uh, especially you know you go back further and further in like police academy history. But my direct RTO was the first female SWAT officer for her agency and, and awesome. just, just a total badass chick. Right. And, and you look at that and you're like, and she, you know, she tells it like, yeah, I, like I played collegiate volleyball and like people probably didn't look at me and be like, oh yeah, she's going to be like a SWAT operator right. one day, <laughs> but, but why not? Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's it. You know, it's, yeah, you could be, be college cheerleader and now you're going to sit around and be a SWAT we, operator. Yeah, go I, for I, it. I work with those too. Do it. Go do it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was a, my parents poor wallet. I danced all from like third grade through high school, tap jazz ballet. I was going to ask which one, all of it. <laughs> and then I actually, I was at a dance club through college. So was your dance, was your dance mom a true dance mom? No. Oh, good. Okay. My mom's a tailor, but she had to fix everyone's costumes. Oh, she probably hated life just as much as anybody <laughs> else did. Her, she, Back in Pennsylvania, we had a basement, finished basement, and that's where our clothesline was to hang the clothes out because you can't hang clothes outside in the winter. You could tell when it was picture season for dance studios because the clotheslines were covered in costumes. <laughs> so, but yeah, I can I can bust out the tap shoes still and like do 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 and go and still go down with my forty launcher and. Take someone out if I need yeah, to. Yeah, well, so. shit, and there you go. And you carried a forty too. Hell yeah. <laughs> as a as, well, not when I became a detective, I dropped the the cert. But as a former forty millimeter operator, I, I don't you know operator. I, I, I'm actually, that makes it sound way cooler. Like, I think I'm the first female in my agency. Nice. Yeah. So. Nice. Kinda we cool. had we had a handful. Uh, I can remember being in training with I think like two or three other females who would roll around with the 40 millimeter mm-hmm. it was the 40 makes a bigger statement than any rifle taser handgun. oh yeah like the canine i think is the only thing that speaks loud and it's only because like people know what a rifle is people know what a taser is you break you are essentially breaking out a grenade launcher <laughs> and 
that's going to give reporters oh. all sorts of like, oh. you know, eye twitches, right? But obviously we're not firing high explosive munitions. We're firing rubber, less lethal munitions. But people look at that and they're like, what the that. fuck is that? <laughs> I'm going to comply with that dude because dude man's got a cannon. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure I saw that in Call of Duty and it fucks shit up left, right, and center. So I'm going to be on my best behavior right now. What do you want me to do? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What would you like me to do right now? Okay. Sounds good. Um, unless they're high on drugs and then they don't and then care it's about just shit. even more fun. Yeah. Uh, you did touch on it uh, a little bit, the police unity tour. Yes. So you're going to have to educate me and potentially some of the listeners. I, I honestly had not heard of the unity tour until uh, I found you on Instagram. Oh, Okay. So lay it all out. So the police unity tour. Um, and thank you for the shirt, by the way. You're welcome. That was our that was our last year's shirt. Uh, this year's, I think it's going to be opposite colors this year. Okay. So black with, Bl- with black the green. Black with green. Front. Okay. Yeah. And so the unity tour um, is a group of officers that ride to honor fallen police officers. So typically, I say typically, thank you, dumpster fire of 2020 and 2021. May you never I, be forgotten. <laughs> Anyways, so there's multiple chapters of the police unity tour. And so what they do at during police week in May, all the chapters ride from outside of D.C., meet, and then ride into the police memorial in D.C. We are talking thousands of riders on bicycles, riding close quarters into the memorial, and you ride around the memorial on your bike. So... They raise, they have a million dollar standing donation to the National um, Law Enforcement Officers Memorial for every year. So we, it's a fundraiser, but it's also to raise awareness for fallen police officers. So I have, I've known about this tour forever and even when I was a crime scene person, but you have to be sworn or a retired, you have to be sworn, retired law enforcement or a survivor in order to ride in the tour. Um, civilians can be part of the tour, but they would be as support, which kudos to them. Oh my God, they do so much for us. And I can't thank our support enough, a support staff enough. Like they save you because if not, I'd probably still be dead somewhere, but they, um, so what we did because we couldn't ride in DC last year, cause thank you, dumpster fire. Our chapter, chapter eight, is out of Florida. Arizona rides with Florida. I don't know how that happened, but we rode with Florida. Arizona man and Florida man are, are similar <laughs> human beings. So. Apparently. So um, we, our chapter, decided to ride in Florida last year. So I rode 357 miles from Tallahassee, Florida, to Titusville, to the American Police Hall of Fame and Museum, where the original memorial wall is. So every year, they inscribe all the names of the fallen officers. So it was actually really cool when I came back um, and was able to tell the family of a fallen officer that, hey, let you know your loved one's name's on this wall. And they're like, we didn't even know this wall existed. And I had done the, the like the scratching. Yeah, the like the crayon rubbing. Yeah, or, or the rubbing, that's rubbing. what it's yeah. called, the rubbing. And I was able to give it to them. And they're like, this is so cool. We didn't even know this existed. And that that museum is amazing. They have got police cars and there's like firearms and they have a a guillotine and (laughs) I promise reporters from the Marshall project that the guillotine is no longer standard issue (laughs) equipment for American law enforcement. But it's really cool to be able to go and see the history of law enforcement through there. There's snowmobiles and there's boats and cars and part of the world trade center. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's a really cool museum to go there, but I had, I got to ride my bike there like and walk around in my socks. 
Because we were all into our bike shoes in there, so we had to walk around in our socks. Click, clack, click, clack, yes. click, clack. Also, um, the Unity Tour setup, I did a lap around the Daytona International Speedway on oh, my bicycle. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. I hit 20 miles an hour. Nice. I made it a point to hit 20. Nice. And then that 43-degree banking is no joke. Um, I tried to do it in my socks. I slid back down. So I went my bare feet and legitimately burned my feet. Yeah. But it was totally worth it. Got to the top. And we're all like holding on to the top to not slide back down. And the only way to come back down, you had to like, like crab crawl back down. So it was a super cool experience. Um, riding with the survivors is just one of the most ugh, touching, heartbreaking, coolest experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, one of the survivors I ride with, she's a marshal. We're actually friends now. And I just... I flew back to Pennsylvania to run a Ragnar trail relay with her. It was super cool. Um, but she was telling me um, when I was on the tour with her, how the city that her had, her husband had worked for basically forgot about him. And now with everything that happened with the riots and whatnot, they took his name off the memorial, his own memorial run. Oh, geez. She goes, his own department and own city can't remember him, but I have 108 other people, complete strangers in my life, who are out here riding the bicycle for him. And you're just like, <sighs> like, wait, wait, yes, yes, sign me up. When's the next one? Like, yeah. I have to be here for this. And then another gentleman I was riding with, he's a officer in Texas, and his wife was a deputy in Texas, and they had flooding, and her patrol car got washed away, and they found her a couple of days later. You're like, oh my God, like, and you're still doing this job. Like you're still willing to put on the uniform and go out there after losing your wife to this. And so they actually do a, a memorial paddleboarding event for her. Okay. So it's like, so you learn about all these really cool events and things and hear their stories and like, why do you ride? Or, well, my partner was killed or mm -hmm. I want to be able to honor someone. And so um, this kind of goes back to the Hunter Club of Illinois. I actually go back to help with the events when I can. And I got to meet a survivor. Her husband had passed away in January. I met her that, that following September, that same year in September. And she had literally just given birth to their daughter. He died before she was born. And so I got to meet her and she was amazing to meet. And I got to go to an event that actually was honoring him. So when I said, Hey, I get to pick who I ride for my best friend's like, you have to ride for him. You have to ride for him. Done riding. And so I reached out to the the wife and we have such a great relationship now. And so I wear his badge number inside my vest. And then, so I do a lot of like fallen officer five K's and things like that. So I always wear something to represent him. And I didn't even, I forgot to wear them tonight. I have my unit to bracelets. So you get your bracelet for your, who you ride for. And, um, so I got to meet her and I sent her the Unity Tour shirts and I sent her little girls and they, she sent me pictures of their tiny, I made them tiny little t-shirts <laughs> and they wore them and I was like, that's the cutest thing ever. And so while I was on the tour, I actually was able to FaceTime her and show the little girls the motorcycles and the bikes and everything else. And people on the tour were like, oh, were you talking to your kids? I was like, no, I was talking to my survivor's kids and I was just bawling and I had never met her husband, but just be able to like have these relationships and you've met these people and you know, you're riding and you're like, yeah, my legs hurt. More or less, your butt hurts the worst. It, I will tell you now, it's my legs were fine. It was. They don't make bike seats, bike seats all that comfortable. Mm -mm. So. There's nothing you can do about it. Butt butter is your best friend. There's a thing called butt butter. Butt butter. That's a new one. <laughs> I have to write that down. I, I, so I'll tell you a story. So uh, day one, everyone puts a little bit of butt butter on because it helps with um, chafing. Okay. Well, it rained. And so like everyone's butt butter wore off. No one really thought about it until we got back to the hotel that night. And like, everyone ow. is walking like they've got a stick shoved up there so 
Yeah, the next day they had little like the sample packs of butt butter. We were all just grabbing handfuls and people were putting it on so thick it was like seeping through their shirts. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't even care. No one cared. After you ride four days with people and like your you, your jersey smell, you're like, I'm washing my shorts in the sink. Like you, you just don't care. <laughs> but it, it, it's such a cool experience. We were riding into um, Ocala and Ocala PD had brought out all of their big, where they had the SWAT vehicle, the fire trucks came up and put the ladders up with the flag hanging over our, where we were riding in. And people are standing on the side of the street saluting you. And you're just like, oh my God, like what am I, this, I'm really doing this. And it was just one of those moments of like, yeah, I need to, I need to bring the, this awareness and to show that we're doing this to remember those people. And most of the time, I think I only heard one person yelling the whole time. So when we would ride down the streets, um, we had a motorcade with us. We had a full motor escort, and these motors come from all over the country. Um, a lot of We had a lot of Louisiana guys, which the tour, it's a family, again, another family within law enforcement. But um, with all the flooding and the, the hurricane they came through, we all came together and donated to our brothers, brothers and sisters down there supplies they needed because some of them still don't have power down there which is crazy. And some, some of the agencies are sleeping in cots in their offices. <laughs> it's it just, this is just next level. Like I can't even fathom right. that. And so we all got together and they took supplies and a tractor and the, the follow we had. So you had a full motor escort that would block off the roads for us. And if it was a, like a two lane road, literally they blocked off the whole road and traffic is just built up. Cause again, you have a, we, there was 109 of us that rode, in this tour. So you have all your motors and all behind us, you have all your tra- your trailers that had all the trailers for the motorcycles. And then it had all of our luggage in it. And then all the, whoever else needed to be like, it was a production. Yeah. And so people would just wave at us and anything they had blue line in their car, they were holding out the windows and so cool. Only one person I remember yelling at us, but no, oh, fuck that guy. Exactly. But <laughs> other than that, but at the same time, they, um, they didn't release our route. We didn't know what route we were riding because of security issues. Right. Yeah. But tell a bunch of cops, Hey, something happens, dump the bike and run. Yeah. It's not your time to be a hero. We got you. And you're just like, you're telling a bunch of cops this and you're like, uh, I'm supposed to run away. Like, but we had nothing and they had, you would see them walking with the rifle cases every night into the hotel. So we were protected. And then <laughs> one really funny story. We were running past um, this picket fence. These two German shepherds come like hauling ass through the yard and you just hear everyone yelling, Fooey! Fooey! the whole time. Like, please, please don't put them over please the fence. Please speak Dutch. Please don't come over the fence. Please. And we're all just, all of us yelling the whole line. I've yelling. never been dinner before, but I guess that's going to change. <laughs> and just the whole line's yelling. It was hilarious. You're like, well, you know, you're a bunch of cops when. <laughs> so, uh, I will be riding again this year. Um, as of right now, I think I'm the only person running for my agency. So um, we have to, you have a minimum of fundraising you have to do, and then you have to get yourself and your bicycle to wherever we're going to ride. It sounds like chapter eight's going to ride in Florida. I'm saying that I don't, we don't know hundred percent yet um, with everything. They're going to see how this pseudo moved police week in October goes mm-hmm. and then decide what's going to happen in May, because there's a lot of logistics that go into this. Oh, I can't and even, so yeah. they, they have to make a decision. Um, but when we were there last year, they were talking about, we're most likely going to be riding in Florida for a few years, but typically, um, the chapter eight rides three days and 250 miles through the hills of DC. 
hills. <laughs> Haven't I'm very lucky where we live that I don't have to train. I hills. don't like I don't like mm. elevation change Mm-mm. at all. I, I work in a flat desert for yeah. a reason. So, but Florida wasn't bad. Um, I also do a lot of leg workouts, which I think saved me. <laughs> so very lucky there. But we'll see what happens. Um, but we, with riding in Florida, they add an extra day and an extra hundred miles. So I rode three centuries in a row, which is crazy. So we actually, the, our group had a coin made, a challenge coin with our route and bike chain around it. It's pretty cool. Nice. So. And, it, and is it always, and I know you, you rode in Florida destination Titusville, um, but when you ride into DC, is it point to point? Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, chapter eight rides from um, basically Norfolk, Virginia okay. to DC. Okay. Um, other chapters will ride from New York city to DC or somewhere else. They, they, we all, all the chapters ride in and meet outside of DC and then all ride into the memorial together. There's also uh, one called the rough ride and it honors uh, fallen canine officers and it's a mountain bike ride and they ride from basically outside of Pittsburgh to DC. And there's, it's the, um, it's along old railroad tracks oh cool there's a trail that goes all the way down to dc it's actually right outside of my hometown like i rode that trail before um so it's there's a mountain bike one so i know there's some officers from arizona riding that one this year too so it's pretty cool we do love our mountain biking out here. i know and i'm so glad i'm glad that we're able to like represent in both like the rough ride and the unity tour um and then there is actually another one it's called um law enforcement united it's another kind of idea like police unity tour it's a 5013c or 501 yeah, 3C. C3. 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 Yeah. Um, Law Enforcement United, same thing. They do the same thing at Police Week. They all get together, ride into D.C. together. So now you have all these riders <laughs> together. So it's a really just cool experience just to be able to, you're riding with these people. And and the way I tell people is, yes, four days of riding on a bicycle. Yes, I'm going to be sore. Yes, I'm going to hurt. But it's nothing compared to giving your life up for this job and what those officers went through and what their families went through. I can deal with my four days of pain. Yeah. That's how I look at it. So I'm like, I'm doing it for them. It's like the, uh, the tower challenge. Exactly. Like I think I've only done that once thus far and not since I've been a police officer. Um, but you, you do, you go into a different mindset mm-hmm. and you're like that, like I get to go home at the end of this one, like exactly. just suck it up and, and yeah, exactly. And deal with it. You're like, like my, my knee hurts and my foot hurts. You're like, whatever. It's going to go numb by the end of the night, whatever. It's fine. But I'm going home. Yeah. So that's, it's a, that's why I said it's a very different experience and it pushes you out of your comfort zone. If you're not a cyclist, like I am not a cyclist. I will still say I'm not a cyclist. I bought a bike and learned how to ride a road bike just for this. Why not? Well, more power to you. My- <laughs> My buddy Brent, who uh, I uh, I know he listens to this episode more just to be supportive, and I love you for that, man. Mm. Uh, he's tried to kill me on multiple mountains, uh, so I don't I don't mountain bike. He does, and uh, yeah, I thought I was going to meet Jesus a handful of times, but <laughs> I mean, hats off to you for riding. She had three hundred miles on a road bike with those skinny ass little seats, and you know it's it's uncomfortable as all get out. Um, how do you get your bike to Florida? Do you just check it on a Southwest flight? How you does, can, okay. but there's actually a thing called bike flights. Interesting. I know. All right. So bike flights, uh, they have a whole like shipping thing and they come and pick your bike up from your house. You have to pack it up. So we had a bike shipping party last year and <laughs> we had to take our bikes apart and wrap them in pool noodles and put them in a 
bike box and sent them there and you pray when it got there it was gonna be look the same straight and yeah so what's really cool is on the tour we have a mechanic we have freddie the mechanic who follows us on the tour because blown tires right, breaks, right. things like this so we get there and Freddie put our bikes together for us, which is super cool. I'm like, oh, thank God, because this would have been a disaster. Well, hat, hats off to you, Freddie, man. Good, good, solid work. So what's really cool about Freddie is he rides behind you, behind the tour in a van, like I was telling you, our motorcade. And if you get a flat, you pull off. Freddie pulls up in the van, throws the bike in the van, says, get in the van, let's go. Within two minutes, you have a new tire ready to go. They're throwing you out of the van and go catch the pack. <laughs> You're like, oh, what just happened? Tuck like, and roll. Yeah, it's basically what it is, because you can't stop. Like, and then if they, like, if you fall, don't get up. Well, <laughs> having the opportunity to ride in Daytona International Speedway, Freddie was a professional, very semi-professional, very close to professional um, cyclist. And so he's like, I get a chance to ride on, and no one on this tour has ever seen Freddie on a bike. Freddie got his bike out and was riding and he went down and ended up taking out like the whole front of the pack with all the marshals. Oh, man. You're like, Arr. So the, one of the biggest things, if you fall, just stay there. Don't move. Just let everyone go around you. I had someone kick me when they went down. I thought I was going down because I'm still a new rider. I'm still like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do because clips are a whole new thing to me still. And then uh, I had someone kick me when they went down. I stayed up. I had someone go down right in front of me. I somehow got around them. I don't know how. But I stayed up. I only fell in the parking lot waiting to go. In front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It of course, happens. Of course. Which is normal. Worst like, things have happened in parking I lots. took out I took out one of my ride partners when we were doing a training ride in the middle of a very busy intersection, waiting for a stoplight. I fell over, took him out, and he hit a side of a car. <laughs> a buddy of mine was was uh, he wanted to do a uh, uh, was it an Ironman? I, I can't remember if it was an Ironman or, or which you oh, know the type triathlon. Of and he was training in Scottsdale, and it was like four o'clock in the morning. And uh, he nearly got hit by a car. And then that car kicked its red and blues on and came back around and was like, hey, bro, uh, we can't see you when you're out like this. You need a reflector. He's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, lots of lights. That's what I've learned. Like lots of lights. I wear like my helmet is like hot pink. My shoes are hot pink. If you can't see me, you have a problem. Yeah. So, yeah. And I ride. I try to I try to ride where it's not so bad, but we have to do training rides. So you have to do a 75 mile qualification ride and a 50 mile qualification ride at a minimum of 15 miles per hour. Yeah. And that's a pretty good, pretty it's good a, speed. Yeah. By when you either one by yourself or with a very small group, when you're in what's called the Peloton, I've learned a lot. Uh, you 20 miles an hour. You're like, this is nothing. At one point, I think they said we were doing 28 miles an hour. Holy shit. As the group. But I, you would never have known because it's just the the draft the drafting and everything else and the right. pulling and the pushing and so many things I've learned about cycling <laughs> that you just never thought you'd know never knew I yeah and so, so I, how do people get involved with uh, with the various chapters so policeunitytour.org okay sign up please come join me if you have uh, well you're gonna tag me in this I know if yeah. you guys want to get involved please do if you want to honor someone who is who's gone and and pay the ultimate sacrifice please honor them this way if you're a cyclist this is the greatest way to do it it's something you love and is honoring someone you loved so um reach out to me i i would love to have another like arizona teammate this year <laughs> um i i do know um pretty sure uh steve barry from mesa he's retired mesa he's their like part-time pio 
he is one of the ride marshals for the tour. So he helps make sure that like we stay in line, do the right things and train. So I I'm assuming he'll probably be riding again this year. And we've had a couple, um, from Phoenix and Glendale ride before. So be interesting to see. Um, hopefully we get some more out for this year. Um, I know I've, I talked to a lot of people about it and be like, come do it, come do it. And I don't know. We'll see what happens, but if you're interested in doing it, check it out. Police unity tour. Um, you can see if you want to ride with a different chapter. We had we had guests from Alaska riding with us. Whew. And the way they trained was on mountain bikes, on trainers inside. Oh, okay. Yeah, like the stationary. Yeah, because yeah. you can you can take your back wheel off and put it on a trainer. I say you get out in the snow with a fucking bear chasing you and see, yeah, what, see how, exactly see how, how fast goes. you can go. So then when they got down to Florida, they actually borrowed bikes. Someone brought bikes for them and they borrowed bikes. And there's five guys. They actually had come down and trained, I guess, um, in the valley. They had one of their guys had retired recently, moved to the valley, and they would come down and like spend a week and train with him. And they all rode together, but still, like, how are you going to train in the snow in Alaska to go ride in Florida? Hmm. Well, you're going to do the best you can, I guess. I guess I so. Don't know. But yeah. So yeah, reach out to me. I will, I will tell you all about it. It's again, I was telling one of the officers I work with um, about it, and she's like, I wish I would have did this earlier in my, like my career in my life. I have kids now and it's hard for me to leave them. And I'm like, I, I, I would be like, leave them. Let's go. Like, but I get it. And so that's why I, I want to get the, the word out about it and be like, Hey, come do this. Take the opportunity. Um, we ride in Florida. A lot of the, a lot of the people like made it a family vacation. Their family met them at the end and then they went to Disney. Yeah. Why not? Right. I went to the beach. I sat on the beach for a few days with one of the, my, ride partners so it was it was awesome it was just good relaxing sit in the ocean water and you needed it by the end of it yeah so. yeah no kidding but the yeah. biggest epsom salt bath right oh i, I legit <laughs> i was the recovery queen i packed i have a, a set of those have you heard of recovery boots like the normatex Mm-mm. so they're boots that go from your foot all the way to your hip and they're compressed compressed air and it like massages your legs i took a pair of those with me i had those i had my tens unit I had a massage gun. See, people had, make fun of you until they need it. Oh, and then by the end, everyone, I had a line in the hotel lobby every night. Can I, can I, can I use those? Yes. Yes. I'm like, I feel like I should just like buy another set and be like five bucks, five bucks or 20 minutes. Let's go. Like, so actually my chiropractor is talking about going and being the team chiropractor. For nice. Us and Heck bringing yeah. all of her massage tools and bringing her massage therapist with her. I'm like, that'd be amazing. Cause the first two days I will tell you my shoulders hurt so bad. Cause you're just. I'm still learning how to ride in big group like that. So I'm nervous and I was so stiff, but and I packed Epsom salts with me and I will tell you TSA rips open brand new bags to test them. <laughs> Look, TSA, it's not that we don't consider you to be law enforcement because I know there are some of you who carry firearms, but why you gotta be dicks about everything like, when it comes legit, to packages and brand luggage. New, brand new bag of Epsom salt. They still cut it open to test it. My, so back when film cameras were still a thing oh. and it was shortly after 9-11, the TSA opened and exposed all my dad's film mm. after a family vacation. So I'm surprised he didn't didn't like, get arrested yeah. and, and put on a no fly list. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. He, I think he did lose his shit, but he, he knew there was a time and a place for it. Right. Ugh. So. Um, if people haven't haven't gathered it already, uh, you seem mildly competitive. And there's one other thing that I'm super intrigued by. Uh, not that I'm not, I'm not not intrigued by the <laughs> Unity Tour, but Bicycles and I have very tumultuous relationship with one another. Uh, but the tactical games, 
which have been around for a few years now. Yeah. Uh, you see it if you if you follow any, you know, if you're on Instagram and you're a part of like the the quote unquote gun community, if, if you follow gun culture, um, if you follow, um, you know, certain cops out there, you'll see these tactical games go on. It's something that I've been super uh, interested in now and, and kind of thinking about how to set up kit and, and what rifle I would take to it, you know, and, and whatnot, but I just don't know a whole heck of a lot about it. However, uh, you have volunteered at the tactical games Yes, and you are soon to be competing for the first time in the tactical games. Yes. Uh, very nervous. <laughs> very, very nervous. Don't be. That's right. It's the, people are like, oh, I'm nervous. Don't be. Well, fuck easy for you to say. <laughs> you go carry. You're not there. So talk to us about the tactical games. So I, I don't know how, I think I randomly came across it on Instagram one time and I was like, that looks super cool. I want to go try it. I'm, I'm that type of person. I'm like, oh, that looks fun. Let me go do that. Oh, I'm going to go put myself through like pain and torture for a day. Sure. Let me go do it. I do Spartan races. That's my other thing too. So I think that's where it kind of like, so I, I do Spartan races with um, my dad. who's just turned, he turned 69 this week. Nice. Um, happy so, birthday, dad. Happy birthday, dad. So We've been doing Spartan Racing since 2016. Okay. We did our first one, and it was a bucket list thing for me. And my friends were supposed to do it with me, and they bailed. I was like, Dad, I got this entry for a 5K. Just just come do it with me. He's like, well, I was like, it's, just, it's got some it's obstacles. Just, it's, just, it's just a 5K, no big deal. Oh, the mud pit and the taser wires? Don't worry about those. <laughs> That's tough mutter, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, so I was like, it's just some obstacles. It'll be fine. And there's free beer at the end. He's like, okay, fine, whatever. And he's like, so we started. He's like, you're trying to kill me. And I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, I'm only doing this for the beer. And you're trying to kill me for your inheritance. I know what you're doing. And I was like, <laughs> he's like, surprised there's nothing there. And I was like, thanks, dad. Um, he's like, I'm only doing this for the beer. And so we did our first one and we were just exhausted. And I remember we were sitting eating dinner that night afterwards celebrating that we survived. And so it, what it's called is the trifecta. So they have three different races. They have a sprint, which is a 5k, a super, which is a 10k and a beast, which is a half marathon. And if you do all three in the year, it's called a trifecta and you get a special medal. That night we decided we were doing the trifecta that year. So we did. And now we're hooked. And so um, we have done, I don't know, we're 30 some odd races Holy together. Shit. <laughs> we just, we flew to Ohio in October. We're going to Big Bear, California in October. Or we did uh, Ohio in June. We're going to Big Bear in October, which is up and down the ski slopes of Big Bear, California. A little bit of altitude there. It's horrible. We vowed that we would never go back and we have to go back this year because COVID canceled half the season, half right. the race season. We had, we decided we were going to do four trifectas this year, which was 12 races. So we're, I think we're going to end up getting three races and uh, three trifectas this year. So started with that. So I'm starting to get actually kind of competitive with that. I run my age group and trying to place. And so I started, I've been doing that. And then the tactical games popped up and I was like, Oh, it's obstacle course racing with shooting. What, what else could I What's ask not for? To like? I was like, what else could I ask for? I'm combining what I love with my job. Perfect. So um, I actually had friends who uh, were going out to Utah is where I was going to, I was like, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go by myself. I'm one of those people, like, if I can't convince someone to go with me, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go do it. Check it out. I had friends from the Spartan world who were going out. They're twin brothers. They are hilarious. They were, they're both um, Marine Corps vets and together twins look identical twins too. Hilarious. So, and they're like five foot. 
No, they're a little bit taller than that. Not much though. And they're awesome. So they were going and they're like, Hey, come out and hang out with us. I was like, yeah, I was interested in going and check it out. So went out and volunteered. Well, when you volunteer for the tactical games on Friday, they're setting up the, the it's skirmishes. So during the tactical games, you have two days of com- competing. So typically Saturday and Sunday you compete each day is about three skirmishes. There can be like an additional, they'll add, they could add an additional one. Um, so you run three skirmishes and you run in, there's different categories you can run in. They have the women's category. They have men's intermediate, men's um, masters, and men's elite. And then, um, I think that's, yeah, that's it. And so then they have it divided up in how you run. So uh, Friday as a volunteer, you go out and help set up the courses. And then you get to go and test the courses or the skirmishes to make sure that, you know, they can actually be competed by people who are of, capability to do it Mm -hmm. you know strength and so i took my um hodgepodge of a kit at that point because i didn't know i was just learning so i took my hodgepodge of a kit took it out um the one of them i got to run was you started on the firing line but you ran turned around and ran the opposite direction from the targets but you had to i had two barbells and on one barbell, there was a 25-pound plate on each side. On the other barbell was a 35-pound plate on each oh, side. Oh, it would just irritate the shit out of me. And you had you're to carry it. topsy-turvy. You had a farmer carry it. Well, mind you, you're wearing, men have to wear, I think, a 14-pound um, plate carrier. Women have to wear a 12-pound pl- plate carrier with your belt, with your pistol, with your rifle, with your mags, and your loadout in all your mags. And they'll give you specific loadouts for each skirmish. So you have to run down, walk down, waddle. I don't even know what you call it. Set it down, turn around, come back. As you're coming back halfway, you stop, set everything down, and do a rope climb with everything on. Go down, pick up your barbells, go to the firing line. Now you have to shoot so many with pistol, then you have to shoot so many with rifle. Then you have to go and pick up a Hosfell stone. It's this big, awkward, diamond-shaped thing. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's awkward. It's like 90 pounds. You had to carry it down, set it down, rope climb, come back, shoot, then do the barbells, shoot. Your forearms were so toast. And you just have to be able to like bring your breathing down, bring your heart rate down because now it's a bigger penalty if you miss. Right. <laughs> and then you have to have, they'll have you give you exact loadouts. And on if you don't shoot all your rounds or if you shoot too many, you're going to get, so it's a mental game too. Along with the physical, it's the mental. So now you're trying to figure out like, okay, I got to remember this and I have to do this. And so um, another skirmish I got to compete in, it was like they had this wheelbarrow. It almost looks like a sled that you can do like sled pushes with at a gym, but it had a 45-pound plate as the wheel. And then they put plates on top of that. You had a wheelbarrow that out, wearing your full kit, come back. And they had what's called a tank trap. And you had to shoot with your rifle touching part of the tank trap, your dominant hand. Then you had to shoot with your support hand. Then you had to stand up and shoot with your pistol. Same thing. And then you do, you had to do it twice. And then if you had time left over, you had to go pick up, I called it a body bag, pick up like a, um, almost like a, I think it was about a hundred pounds, um, giant duffel bag full of sand. And you had to balance it on your shoulder and you had to walk so far, set it down. Well, every time you walked, you earned a 20 second bonus, but if you took your time shooting, you actually got bonuses for hitting all your shots. So you had to think like, which way I'm going to do this? Am mm-hmm. I not a good shooter? But all the new, I, you would watch all these young guns coming in. The guys just like running. I'm going to get all my time back with these, these sandbag carries. Well, it was your first event of the day. 
And now now you just already, burned yourself just for the next next two events. So yeah, it, that's like I said, it's a mental game. You have to think how you're going to do this and what you're going to do. And so you had to pick up this bag and the elites had, theirs was 150 pounds. So trying to even just pick that bag up. So hundred pound, you had to get up on your shoulder and you had to balance it on your shoulder in case you had to engage someone. <laughs> so you couldn't be holding it with two hands. Right. You had to be able to balance it on your shoulder in case while you're walking, you had to engage someone. So um, that was one of the events. Uh, another one was you had to like throw a sandbag to the right, sandbag to the left, sandbag front, sandbag back, run up, do a sled drag, go shoot. Like you were just gas. There was one you had to do a ruck with a, or a mile run. It was down in and out of valleys and you had an extra backpack full of weight you had to carry. And then you had to do like a 200 yard rifle shot. And then I know some of the pistol shots, um, they tell you to train 100 yards at least with pistol. Um, so it's, it was very, it's very, it's very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm getting, I'm going to compete this, this October. We'll see how it goes. I've been trying to train. I need to get some more time. It's yes, I can shoot on the range, but I, you have to learn how to shoot in really super awkward positions too. Yeah. Yeah. You so, just don't get that on like a square range. You don't get to just stand there. Like you have to, there was one, it was like, you, you have to be on the ground, but your knees can't touch the ground. Yeah, mm. it was a very awkward, like, there was people, like, in a plank position trying to shoot. You're like, uh. All right, then keep your secrets. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. But so it was actually, it was really cool. And just the camaraderie there is amazing. So you have all walks of life coming in there. You have you have the um, gun enthusiasts, the shooting enthusiasts. Then you have the military, and then you have the law enforcement. And so, but everyone, you get... um for the weekend, you gr grouped up in like heats. So there's like maybe 10 people total in your heat and everyone would sit and just watch each other. So like the first person that would finish would sit and wait till that last person in their heat and just cheer them on. They're standing over the shoulder. You got this, you got this. And it was just the camaraderie you see. And then like the women, the women are awesome. Like you see the most camaraderie in the women and they're just cheering each other on. You got this, come on. And like helping each other out. And uh, two of the guys I, I was, volunteering with were both had qualified for the national championships in the master's division and they were giving me all these like tips and tricks on what they do and i'm like looking at i'm like i want to be like you when i hit your age <laughs> there was one guy like he had a prosthetic leg and he was out shooting oh, like just out doing Good everything for him. doing everything another guy um you're like i, I can't complain anymore I, exactly you're just that's what goes back to the unity tour like what's a little pain now like that's nothing um one of the guys in the masters in his heat, they wanted you to shoot with your support hand. He goes, I have no feeling at my support hand. I don't feel comfortable shooting it. Do you guys want me to just to withdraw from the games? And the, everyone in that, in the masters division got together like, no, you shoot your, we don't care if you shoot with your right hand. Like, or I think what they came up with, he was shooting unsupported with his, his dominant, his dominant. Okay. Hand I gotcha. Instead of supported. So instead of him shooting with his, his support hand that has like no feeling in it. So, but like just things like that, they're like, if everyone agrees on like, yeah, we all agree. We want him to stay. That's the camaraderie. And that's, why I said, it's a really cool and you can see some crazy Gucci gear coming out or, and there's me. I'm like, I'm running my duty pistol. I would like, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I'm working on getting my kit finalized kind of mag pouches and how I want to run them and things like that. Okay. So, all right. 
what uh, uh, duty pistol is it? A Glock 17? Uh, well, I was running a Glock 17, but I run a red dot now. Okay. And they the red dot category is kind of I think it's a mix like women and men this year. And sure. I'm like, I, I just want to compete with the women, so I switched to um, a 19. I'm going to shoot a 19 okay. for the for the game. So because it doesn't have a red dot on it, so yeah. And then what uh, what about your rifle? What are you using on on a rifle? AR. What uh, uh, like what what uh, manufacturer? I borrowed a friend, so. <laughs> and, well, and so is are you? Is it like a you're running like a red dot, like a low power variable mm-hmm. optic? Yes, think yes. I don't. Yes. <laughs> you're asking me questions. Yeah, you're yes, to me all now, of like, the above. Yes, yes. As I'm turning my head sideways and up and down and all around. Yes. Okay. So, all right. I haven't trained enough. a ton with the, the rifle, and that's why I need to get out and train with that because part of it, like they they'll make you field strip your rifle and then put it all back together. Yeah. I'm like, um, can you, can you help me with that, please? Yeah, and if you've never done it before, I mean, or if you haven't done it consistently, right? Exactly. You know. And I'm still, I'm still training. I'm still learning the rifle. It's a, it's a whole new system to me. So I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm awkward as all get out trying to like trying to sling it around. <laughs> it happens, right? We we all like to think we look absolutely I look cool. Terrible. No, I won't even say I look cool. I look terrible. <laughs> so. But I, yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that question. And so. are there are there uh, any local games here in Arizona? Yes. So okay. uh, October, end of October, they'll be at Ben Avery. Um, what the, actually the games will be the twenty, I think the twenty third and twenty fourth, or twenty second and twenty third. It's whatever that Friday Saturday is. Um, but the weekend before, they're doing a tactical games um, like intro for people so oh, okay. like if you're interested in it, it's a it's like an intermediate level one intro getting people comfortable with like okay this is like the physical fitness side of things and this is like the awkward shooting positions so they're doing that here at ben avery the weekend before which is awesome and i wish i could be here but i'm deciding to go climb the side of big bear california multiple times to get a half marathon spartan racing you know no big deal makes sense if you don't think about it <laughs> sounds like a great idea sounds horrible <laughs> and I have less than a week to recover to get ready to tour the tactical games. And this will be your first time in the tactical games yes. actually competing, actually competing. So I hope I don't sound like a complete idiot right now. I apologize. Tactical games, Sarah. I'm sorry. You're amazing. But Not everybody got to start somewhere, yeah. right? Like so, you get some, some super gung ho, uh, you know, like, Oh, what I am, you know, I am fucking Thor. Yeah. Right. Like, like let me all lift all the weights here, but you shoot like shit. Exactly. And then you get some dude who is like King Dick of the square range. Uh, but the guy doesn't remember the last time that he ran right. any amount of, you know, any amount of anything. I know I ran in my weight vest this week. Ugh. My knees were not happy. I was going to say, that's bad for your joints, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm old. It hurts. We're, we're getting old. It we're not hurts. allowed to do that shit anymore. Fish oil, <laughs> glucosamine, I take it all. That's <laughs> just the things that we used to do, like Flintstone gummies, and now we've got our little vitamin things with the days of the week label on Little? You mean I have like two of them per day? What? <laughs> <laughs> handful every single day. A handful every single day. That's, yeah. just, that's just to get moving. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've been, I've been training... Uh, Every other day is on the stair climber in a weight vest. Eesh. Yeah. So it's a twofold. Like I'm getting ready for the games and getting ready for Spartan. And then the awkward, just awkward workouts is basically the best way I could say it. Like tire flips. And then I was doing sandbag throws. I feel bad for the people in my gym. They think I'm probably crazy. Thank God. Like the owners and the managers know me and they're like, oh, it's just Kristen. Just don't worry about just that. Just ignore her. She's just, all right. Just about that. So like I was like throwing, um, 
the weight bag, like the sandbag, like down, like we have like a turf track thing and I was throwing it and they're, I'm loud too. Cause it's tired at the end of this workout. So I'm doing that. And like another one, you had to like throw it over the bar. Sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, throw it over the bar and then like do a burpee in a weight vest. And I'm like, I want to come in on my kit, but I don't know how they're going to feel about that. So I have run around this neighborhood in a plate carrier before I, I pull all the patches and shit off of there. And I'm like, I probably look really weird to these bougie yeah. motherfuckers out here. I want to like, I want to actually wear my belt, but I was like, but I need to put a blue gun in there. And I'm like, mm, how's that going to go in this gym? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. People might get a little weirded out. I'm like and Maybe, the, maybe not. I, you know, I, I, I know. I like, I think it depends on the gym. You like, you can't roll into an LA fitness like that, <laughs> but if you roll into like a certain, certain CrossFit oh, gyms, yeah. then it's probably like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, this is not a CrossFit gym. So, uh, cop used to own it. Thank God, but doesn't own it anymore. Well, so million dollar idea, start open a gym, maybe not a million dollar idea, but start open a gym where people can, conduct like their tactical games training. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Ask my best friend about his gym and how that went. Uh, <laughs> I do hear that gyms are exceptionally challenging to, uh, to run. So, and then have COVID hit and it's uh, just yeah, even yeah, yeah. worse. So yeah, I feel bad for him, but he's made it back and he's fine now. So he's a cop too. So <laughs> he'll be all right. Yeah, he's right. fine. He's fine. Well, you got your first uh, your first tactical games competition yeah. up. We'll see if we can't get. Uh, I don't know who listens to this, who manufactures rifles, but Kristen's looking for a sponsor. So. Yes, please. I will take. I will take sponsors. AR five hundred armor has been amazing. I will tell you that they are local here. I don't know if you've. Heard yeah, I've of them. been in their shop a couple times. Yeah. They're amazing. Thank you, Tyler. You're amazing. I'm shouting out. I will tag you in this. Um, Tyler's been awesome. He helped me out. Um, so I, I'm running one of their plate carriers with their uh, training plates in it. So I found that I, they have a, um, like a training vest, just like weight vest to train it. And they have little mini plates that are about like five inches by like four inches. So it fits in their little pockets. Well, I decided to put that in my plate carrier for the, when I went up to Utah to, to volunteer at the games. And I found it would let my plate carrier bend a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have that straight plate in there. So it gave me a little like, movement a little, get a bit, little more, bit more maneuverability yeah. out of it, it sure awesome so i was like telling tyler about that so he's trying to get the owner um president of ar 500 armor he's trying to get it up to ben avery and because i know a, a decent amount of the competitors run their vest for it so and they have a, a new belt that they were working on so i have one of their belts i'm gonna run so I'll try that and see how it goes nice as I said, I'm trying to put everything together. We'll see how it goes. Hey, you got, but like you, like, you got to start somewhere, right? Right. You, exactly. And you're not going to know, you know, it's like the first time that you hit the street as patrol, right? You have all your, all your shiny doodads yeah. and you got your bat belt all together from the Academy. And then the next day you're like, I don't need this that. This is horrible. This is in the wrong yeah. spot. My back fucking hurts. Like, no, 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 no. Add one thing. Cool. Done. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's why, that's where I'm just, at right now. You just won't know until you get there. Exactly. So, so. well, shit, I'm pulling for you. Thank uh, you. I do not know if I'm on call that weekend, um, that, uh, end of October, but if I'm not, I will come out on the Friday Yay. just so I can see what's up. Uh, see if I can't make a weekend out of it, come out and at least see you do one of your heats on, uh, on that Saturday. <laughs> That'd be there. awesome. Yeah, so, I'm nervous. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> go out and take pictures and oh, then uh, have Kristen chase me around and be like, don't you fucking post those. <laughs> I look like a disaster. <laughs> I have like a, I have a really mean face when I start getting into things too. My RBF's bad normally. So then when I'm like super concentrated and doing hard stuff, it's, it's bad. People are like, don't go near that girl. She looks like she might eat me. Uh, I've had people tell me like, I thought you were a, a wench. 
when I first met you because your RBF was so bad. I was like, I'm the nicest person, I promise. I really am. Just my my face just doesn't agree with the rest of me. <laughs> your face just doesn't put that across when no. you're concent- when you're concentrated. No, in general, apparently. I've been talking to you for almost two hours now. Oh, shit, almost three <laughs> oh hours God. and counting the time before this. And I'm having, a, you know, we're having great fun. So, Good. no, Kristen is super cool. Uh, how do people find you on, on uh, social media? Uh, I'm on Instagram as Kristen Marie Fit underscore 13. Um, you'll see random stuff there. It's kind of fun. Um, also, I am fundraising for the Unity Tour. So, if anyone's interested, I will. I have links up there. Um, I am... To the listeners, you can't see it, but um, I'm for every twenty dollars you donate, I had custom made Pura Vita bracelets made of blue and black like okay. threads. Right. So you'll get a, that, and I'm gonna work on the shirts again this year. So we'll see what happens. So I gotta be creative with this fundraising. I gotta raise two thousand dollars. So I gotta be creative. Anyone else has an idea for fundraising too? I'm I'm all ears. So I I think I have at least two thousand people listening to this podcast. So everybody, give Kristen a dollar. A dollar. I'll take a dollar. That's all you d- done. Please understand that the exchange rate in your country <laughs> may be different. <laughs> give what you can. Uh, there's a Bo Burnham joke in there about feeding people pennies, but we won't get into that <laughs> shit on this show. So hey, I don't want to be sued, and I don't want to be IA. Please, no, so. <laughs> no, not today, IA. Okay. Uh, well, I. Uh, I Thank you for coming on the show and, and educating me. me. Uh, I, I again, I didn't know really anything about the Unity Tour, and I've always had this. I say always for the last I don't know like year. I've had a very strong curiosity about the tactical games. Just so go do it. Just go do it. Yeah, and and therein right is is your advice. Now, as far as um, the Unity Tour, know about the fundraising. Uh, I think we did cover it, but about how much time does somebody need to like? like really get ready for it. Say, say the ride in May goes through into December. I say, get ready for it, but say the ride is happening in May of 2022. Uh, I mean, is it, is it too late for somebody to get moving on? No, uh, you have to have your final qualification rides done by like, I think March, April. Oh, so you got time. You have time. You got got five or six months. Yeah. Um, if you're like me, you waited to the last minute and squeezed it all in within like two weeks. It's fine. And I procrastinators of the world unite terrible about training. I've gotten a lot better. I, I have a trainer for inside cause it's just so hot here. I can't. And I work nights. Like I am not about to go ride at night cause that's my sleep pattern. And two, I'm not about to ride in the middle of the afternoon when I'm actually awake. So, um, I've been riding on a trainer for a while, but, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to try to be a little bit better this year once it starts to cool down. Hopefully this weather breaks soon. So um, I'm willing to, if you, if you decide to the listeners who are local, uh, decide you want to do this, I'll ride with you. I will come. I don't care where you are. I'll come ride with you. Like I, I want people to come do this. I want this to make, like, I want to make as big as I can and I want people to get involved in it. So I, I, whatever you need me to do, come do, I will come convince you (laughs) like come ride. So, um, but yeah, you can sign up now. Like, we're still taking people and if and if you're already a cyclist you're fine you'll be fine <laughs> then you're good to go and you're even if you even if you don't currently have somebody to ride for the unity tour will get you yes. somebody um, to ride for so they will they can they will randomly assign you someone or you can ask for someone or you can ask for a prior years um what they like to do is make sure that everyone um so like say from 2021 but make sure everyone who's died in the line of duty in 2021 someone's riding for them um, some of us rode multiple bracelets, wore multiple bracelets last year to make sure everyone was covered. Um, cause we only had 109 riders. Yeah. And you end up with, uh, 
uh, between three and 400 officers killed right. every year. So, and then I will ride, continue to ride for my previous officers too. So I'll add someone new into the mix. I actually ride for two officers out of the Chicago area. So I, the one passed away of COVID during 2020. So I ride for her and I ride for the other officer who had passed in 2019. So, and then I'll add a new one for this year. So we'll see. All right. Well, uh, as we come to a close, my final question to you, which is never actually the final question because something always pops in there, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Like I said, we're, we're shaking it up a little bit on this one. Um, but uh, you have a microphone to the world. Oh what, does the, what does the world need to hear from Kristen? Be a good human. That's I tell people that all the time. Be a good human and make good choices. Um, you never know the person walking next to you down the street, what they're going through take that time and just kind of think about that. You know, I, I like to make it a point to go up to a stranger and if they have a cool hat or a shirt or something, I just go up and let them know. And to honestly, they smile and it's being able to do that to people and help people. And just kind of like, you may have just turned that whole person's world around. You know, they may have had the worst week of their life, the worst day of their life. But if you can just do something where like people still care I think that makes a huge difference. And that's why I always like be a good human. And it might be cliche, I don't know, but it's something I've always believed in. It's something I've always held myself to. Um, yeah, we get mad. We all get mad. We all get road rage. We get all of that. But I think if you just, again, take the time to realize that you're having a shitty day, the person next to you be having an even shittier one. Just, just take the time to be nice to someone say something, turn someone's life around. And that's, I like doing that. And I like saying that, um, especially like, yes, I arrest people, but, and it's really interesting cause I'll go in and I'll arrest people and I talk to people and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be as straightforward, as honest as I can with you. Um, as I, I will be, I'm, I'm honest with you. I'll tell you the process, tell you what's going to happen. Um, if you have questions, I'll try to answer them to the best of my ability to what I can. Um, I say, you treat me with respect. I'll treat you with respect. You don't treat me with respect. I'm not going to treat you with respect. It's just how it is. Like, I'm going to, it's a two-way street here. And I've had people come up to me and thank me. Thank you for arresting me. You were the nicest cop I've ever met. Like, you were nice to me. Why wouldn't I be nice to you? And it's very interesting. So when, even if someone's in handcuffs, I still treat them with respect and dignity. It's it's one of my things I, I very, I hold dear to my heart that just, you never know what kind of day someone's having. You never know what kind of week, what kind of year, what they've been through, what they've seen. You know, yeah, they may have bad, made a bad decision um, now that they have ended up in the position they're in with the handcuffs and going to jail. But there a lot of them like, I'm not, I'm not a hardened criminal. You know, I know you're not. I can tell. I can tell by just the conversation we've had. I said, I'm not treating you like a hardened criminal, am I? They're like, no. I said, I understand. I said, you just happen to make a bad decision tonight. You know, you're going to live and learn from it. And we're just going to move on. And they're like, thank you. And then they get really upset when I leave them at the jail and I'm not hanging out with yeah, them the rest of the later. night. I'm like, bye. Oh, and by the way, the detectives are taking your phone. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, had, I have one guy go, you're, you're not staying, you're not hanging out with me? As much as I would just love to hang out in the jail all night, no. 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 It's not my favorite place no. to be. I, I feel the need here. to take a shower after I, leaving I, here. I want to burn everything. It's fine. It's fine. So, yeah. Um, that's I, that's that's my, my thing to the world. Be a good human. <laughs> and be nice to your police officers, too. Yeah. Like, and, and your firefighters, and too. And your firefighters, and your EMTs, and your, and your doctors, nurses. and your teachers, and, and everybody, right? Yeah, just be a good human. See? It just, it's all-encompassing. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't have to have any sort of title associated with your name to be a good fucking person. Yeah. Pretty plain and simple. I mean, you can go up to, I can remember to this day, right? It's the little fucking things. Exactly. I got off a plane in Orange County at John Wayne International Airport. I was wearing a something corporate t-shirt, which is a band for those of you who don't know, and walking out and this girl walked past me and said, hey, I like your shirt. And I don't even know when that was. It was a long fucking time ago. But I was like, oh, hey, thank you. And then you get a little pep in your step, exactly. right? You, and nobody likes being in the airport. Airports suck. Yes. I'm a plane nerd. I don't even like fucking walking <laughs> through airports. So at least Orange County makes it somewhat interesting. But, um, you know, you can always... Shit, if you're, if you're on patrol at Halloween... Maybe go grab a bag of candy. That's my favorite thing to do. I go to neighborhoods and I hold a bucket out my patrol car door window and the kids come up and trick or treat out of my car. Exactly. It's awesome. So last year I had a smart ass girl. Kudos to her for being quick witted. She was like, sorry, I don't take candy from strangers. And I was like, it's just because I'm in a police car or whatever. <laughs> like, we all know you'd probably get into other people's cars for less reasons. But uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, see, and I, I'm sarcastic and I come across as a little bit of an asshole. Um, uh, we we have our our coping mechanisms as as uh, exactly uh, varied as they might be, <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, it, it is for the cops that are listening. Uh, don't get badge heavy. No. The that same sergeant who I had in the academy, uh, who Kristen knew from from a past life uh, <laughs> uh, when she was a, a forensics tech. Um, that is where I first learned that. Don't get badge heavy. Don't think that you're king or queen of the mountain simply because your vest says police on the back of it. Um, remember that and kind of watch your world around you change. Yeah. You have to make command decisions. Yes. Officer presence is still part of the use of force continuum for a reason. Um, but you can establish that, that like, uh, I don't know, alpha presence, if you will, that right. like, that like, Hey, we're going to listen now, but you don't have to be an asshole about it. Right. You don't have none of this. I am cop. Hear me roar bullshit. So, uh, but likewise, I don't give a fuck if you're a high powered defense attorney in a Ferrari and I pull you over for doing 80. Like, yeah. Like, you know what you did wrong. Just accept it and move on. Like, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. I walk up to people. I'm like, really? And they look at me. I'm like, I, I'm, you know what you did. I'm like, yeah. Why? I was like, <laughs> I won the guy the other night. We ran a red light. I was like, can I ask where you have to be in that much of a hurry? You got me. I'm like, I know I got you. Give me your license. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've had many, it, many conversations with people. It's like, just, again, you talk to people and just be a good human again. And they, he was fighting with his girlfriend at the time. I looked and I was like, okay, if it's that bad, pull over, get your fight out, then go home. Like you're going to kill someone. The, uh, the funniest you ran a stop sign story so that we can end this on a little bit of a funnier note. I like it. Um, just sit and type in paper, watch this dude in a lifted red Dodge Ram blow, not one, but two stop signs right in front of me on a back road. And I sit on this back road. Well, not now. Now I sit at a desk, <laughs> but when I was a patrol officer, I'd sit on this back road by the airport in my city because I knew damn good and well that people ran these stop signs. So boom, blows the first one. I get in behind him and he is hauling the mail like 50, 55 miles an hour on this, like 35 mile an hour zone. Boom, blows the second stop sign. Uh, lights inside, you know. Woo, woo, woo. He pulls over. His truck is so tall, I have to stand on the curb in order to, yeah, exactly, pulling myself like up <laughs> over the window. So I'll be like, hi, me again. Uh, and he's got a, a, a female passenger and then he's driving. Super cool guy. And he, ah, fuck, man. You know, and again, I was like, hey, man, 
Kevin with the police department raising a stop to use those stop signs, bro. And he was like, yeah, I'm like, I know they sneak up on you when they've been there for 15 years, but, uh, you can't do that. Even when it's dark outside and there's no other, no other cars on the road. Like, you know, I, that's why I stopped you. So license registration insurance and all that stuff. Then I started talking to this dude about his tires. Cause I would happen to be tire shopping. <laughs> I had been driving a Tundra at the time. So I'm like, man, what are these like? 37s, 38s, and he was like, oh, the 38s, mud trains, blah, blah, blah. And the girl that he's riding with just slams her hand on her lap. And she's kind of got this like oh, half boy. smile on her face. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hi. And she goes, we're trying to fuck. Will you let us go? <laughs> and I was like, all right, here's your license back, sir. You have a good rest of your night. Please don't run any more stop signs. <laughs> so, oh, my God. <laughs> that is my, my like token. I probably will never forget that You story. win. You win. Here's your license. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know what? You ain't getting a ticket, bro. You have a good night and have a good night. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and hey, kudos to her for speaking up. Hey, yeah. I mean. I'm... That was probably like, I I have a podcast. I'm not usually at a loss for words. <laughs> yeah. I've... I've never been accused of being quiet. And I was just like, uh, 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 okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. Wow. So oh, yeah, that one wins. That one, that was a good one. But again, just be nice to people. Exactly. That's, I think that's like a, a recurring theme here on this show that here we are as cops. And our biggest thing is just treat people with the respect. And, and honestly, like if, if you treated people with respect, if you respected other people's properties and their lives and you valued everybody equally, Kristen and I probably wouldn't have jobs. Uh, yeah. But seeing the things that we've seen and encountering the, the stories that we've encountered we would probably be okay with that. Yeah. Not, you know, patrol detectives, whatever. Um, it's one of those things that if people would just be cool with each other there, maybe the world wouldn't need cops anymore right. and, and that'd be okay. Yeah. You know, uh, Dr. Kristen will go off and, and, and <laughs> breed Ebola or some shit. <laughs> And I'll go off and just give tours at a local airplane museum, like a little old person. So, oh I just envisioning like a cane. Oh, a little like cane, <laughs> golf cart, the yeah, whole nine yards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and this one over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you in the military? No, I'm just a nerd. So, yeah, anyways. You know. Well, again, Kristen, thank you so much for coming oh, down and, and taking the time to talk to me. Uh, go ahead and uh, those of you that are listening, um, hit Kristen up, Kristen Marie Fit underscore thirteen. Yes. Did I get it right? Yes. All right, on Instagram. If you have questions about the Unity tour, if you have questions about the tactical games, um, uh, I think she's more than happy to answer them for you. Uh, UnityTour.org, PoliceUnityTour.org. Uh, please. PoliceUnityTour.org. PoliceUnityTour.org if you want to find out more about. Or uh, just Google it. Or just Google it. Yeah, you can Google anything yeah. nowadays. Um, but uh, uh, if you want to find out more about uh, uh, riding bikes uh, for the the fallen officers uh, from the the prior years, um, super, just just a really amazing experience is what it sounds yes. like. It, it's just one of those things that I don't know that you can actually describe. I, it I can't like to somebody who's never been there. And when I talk about it, I, like I get this feeling in my soul, and it's just like, oh, yes, yes, you have to do it. You have to do it to understand it. Um, one of the officers I was riding with, he said, it didn't hit me until I was on the flight back from Florida. He said, I broke down sobbing on the plane when I realized what I did and why I did it. And it's just, it's one of those, it's a feeling and it's just, I told you, I, I sobbed riding my bike. You know how hard it is to sob and ride your bike? It sounds dangerous. It, it was, it was, but it's just realizing what you're doing this for and what it stands for and who you're doing it for. And it's, as I said, it's just an experience. You have to go, you have to go do it. Just go do it. 
if you whether or not you want to ride or you would just want to go support just go support like they fed us and they made sure we had like our hotels and our support team was so cool that they put our luggage in our rooms and turned our air conditioning down for us so when we got there it was comfortable and you didn't have to worry about anything and it was there for you and they fed us and peanut butter jelly day is the biggest hit and everyone wears peanut butter jelly socks that day <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things in life when you are burning calories left and right absolutely so, yeah yeah, well, get out there, folks, and uh, and take a gander, and uh, and let's help Kristen raise this uh, two thousand dollars. Is that what yes. it is? Yeah, let's help Kristen get this two thousand dollars so that she can check that box and thank and you. move on and, and get out riding. Uh, thank you all so very much for listening. Uh, stay safe, and we'll see you on the road. Mm-hmm.